Welcome to Queen Flow, the podcast. This is your host, Jocelyn Kelly-Reed. On this show, you can expect to learn about calling in big money, the feminine way, business, spirituality, witchy stuff, and everything else you need to know about being a turned on woman of wealth. It's fun. It's fiery. It's unfiltered. Hey, Queen. Welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to be sharing this episode and conversation with Laura Elliott, who is such a dear friend. I adore her. And because this topic is so rampant among women, this episode is actually highly requested in terms of me chatting about perfectionism. And I thought Laura, because of her yummy yin energy, and she's so flowy, (laughs) would be a perfect person to discuss the topic with. So I'm excited about that. And I also have a special announcement, which is that through April 30th only, when you rate and review the show and either DM your screenshot to me or email it to assistant at jocelynkellyreed.com, you can join the cohort for $500 off. I've never done this before, but I love it. And... Of course, if you're more in the place of exploring money, queen, or you want to jump into feminine magic and money and be with us in the next round that starts with October, that's fab too. And you can still rate and review the show and receive $200 off those programs. So $500 will apply to the cohort only through the end of April. So don't miss that boat. And enjoy this yummy, yummy conversation with Laura. Try to stick it out to the end. It's really good. Laura, I'm so excited to have you here today. And for all of our listeners, um, today I'm going to be chatting with Laura Elliott, who is a really powerful woman and healer who practices. You're going to have to tell us about all of it in your modalities because there's many, (laughs) but Chinese medicine, acupuncture, breath work. And I had a session with Laura. I mean, at this point, was that over a year ago? Yeah, I think so. Maybe two years. Two years, a really long time ago. Mm. And I remember sitting there and just besides the work, even I was like, this woman is such a powerful teacher. And I know you're not necessarily doing it on purpose, this portion, but I feel like you are literally the embodiment of the yin energy. And I was really at a place in my life where I was really needing to invite in a lot more of that like softness and femininity and just allowing the softening, you know, Mm -hmm. that allows us to feel so good and connected. I mean, I'm a completely different person now, but I distinctly remember that session with you and our conversation. And it was so powerful. And you and I have obviously stayed in touch. And in launching this show, I was thinking about the women that I feel connected to, whose work I really admire. And you're absolutely one of them. And then Mm -hmm. in us chatting, we were talking about, you know, what are the what do we want to share? And perfectionism came up. And it's something that I think we've all struggled with in our lives at some point. I definitely see it with my clients. I know you see it with yours. So I'm really excited to 
dig into that. And before we go there, I'd love for you to share more about you and your journey and really stepping into the work that you do now and just kind of your journey to arrive at the woman you are today, who is so, you know, embodied in her magic. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so much for um, making this happen. Finally, it's been a long time coming. We've been wanting to do this so long. Um, So very excited to be here today and for our audiences to kind of mix a little bit and just to, you know, grow the community. I feel like our, our clients are also very similar in the, in their, in their ways and what they're looking for. So it's really beautiful opportunity to connect with you today here and share. So, um, my journey is, let me, let me maybe start with, uh, what I'm practicing now, nowadays. Um, I am on paper. I'm a licensed acupuncturist, Chinese medicine practitioner. Um, with, uh, a master's degree that, that I did in New York, in New York City, where I lived. I lived in, in New York or more so really in Brooklyn for nine years and moved then to California, to Los Angeles. And because of that move, I had to go back for a second master's degree in Chinese medicine. So I was already, I already done three plus years and there's a different license requirement. So that and a few other details brought me back for another three, four years of Chinese medicine studies that I actually had to stop because my daughter came in. And I might go back and tell a little bit more about that later, if that's appropriate. But the point is that it was so the Chinese medicine and the academic studies of it really have been, um, you know, definitely uh, have been quite a bit. So seven years or so. And I'm still now actually finally going back to school to get my California license. And that's the reason why on my website, there are not even the offering of acupuncture here in California. I can do it when I'm in New York, but not here. So that's one thing. But of course, that is um, a passion of mine. And the the knowledge that I have about the meridians and the the background of Chinese medicine, that is the teachings of the Tao and the five elements and all of the goodness, the yin and yang, the masculine feminine, you know, what I talk so much about, and you already mentioned it a little bit, is always an influence in my practice. Um, I, I practice a lot of Reiki because I had to go back to school for acupuncture and Chinese medicine. Reiki just took on its very own life. And um, I've finding myself very privileged and uh, lucky and blessed to share the practice of Reiki in a in a teaching setting for I believe now five years and have practiced um, a bunch longer. So I'm a Reiki, we call it master, but you know, practitioner is maybe a nicer word, Reiki practitioner. And um, I, I use a lot of breath work and guided breathing in my practices. I'm a holistic health coach. That was actually my gateway into healing. I was a designer, a fashion designer, or I am a fashion designer by trade and have worked as that for some years in New York before I ventured into healing, which is now over 10 years, over a decade. But holistic health coaching, that um, program with IIN, which is a really, really wonderful program. And a lot of people have been through this at this point. Um, 
that was my gateway into that whole healing world. And yeah, so now my my sessions are, um, I, I offer a little bit of a like different, a little bit of womb healing here, spine activation, meridian therapy, and then really just traditional Reiki uh, sessions um, and then integrative healing sessions where I literally creatively and intuitively combine um, depending on what the client and I what we're what we're discussing and what's going on so it's a very creative intuitive work um, with a bunch of modalities that I've acquired and learned um, over the years craniosacral is also one and um, yeah Mostly I'm having fun with, with these modalities and using them creatively and intuitively. And we'll go back to that because that whole creative and having fun aspect, I think, <laughs> is a little bit of that, which is the opposite of, or, you know, the perfectionism that uh, sometimes holds people, I think, away of really diving into that. But we'll go, we'll go back to that. So that's what I do now. And I already mentioned that I was working as a fashion designer in New York. Um, you can hear maybe that I have an accent. I'm from Germany originally and um, in the United States now for over 15 years. And yeah, so it's been uh, definitely a longer journey and a career change. Um, and so I start... What? prompt because obviously that the world of fashion I mean that's night and day in terms of actually being in it then the world of healing and so you know like so many of us I had it too there's always we get you know we start toe dipping we start getting wake-up calls like the universe comes knocking where we're at starts to become really painful and we just kind of have to get up and go and keep and go towards what our soul's calling for. And I would love to hear fr from you, you know, a, a version of what led you here and out of the world of fashion. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful question. Thank you so much. So um, it was a few things. Um, I have to say that in general, I really enjoyed working as a designer, but I also chose to work for smaller companies um, and that helped me to work more creatively because if you go more corporate in fashion, oftentimes designers who come into that profession because of their um, desire to do something creative end up working on the computer with Excel charts and communicating with China and the factories and the sample makers there. And it's very non-creative. Plus, in general, whether small company or large company, the industry, like a lot of other industries, is very stressful. It's, it's a high pressure, deadline oriented uh, industry. And people are just very, very stressed out. And I find, and that was also a little bit of that tipping point for me um, at the end after some years of my, my little career in fashion, that it was just so much drama, so much drama um, over a polka dot pattern, so much, you know. <laughs> Talking about perfectionism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also just, you know, something that I've noticed already then, and I've said this uh, at some point midway in because I've seen, you know, I worked for different companies and we even visited other designers or, you know, in the different everyday 
things we've done and tasks, but just seeing so many women also that were in leading positions seemingly having to put up the certain, um, you know, I want to really be um, wise about the choice of word, but, uh, you know, very stressed out boss, um, not very happy and not very polite with their employees, you know? So I, I worked in finance, you know, so that was a very alpha environment and I can just relate to the amount of energy that it required. Obviously I know a lot of women who still work in finance. They liked it, but I still hear things about it. It's just, it, it pulled, there's so much alpha energy that's required to be successful to move up the ladder, to be heard. It be, and if you don't want to be in that, that was one of the reasons that prompted me to want to walk away. I was like, I'm exhausted. And mm -hmm. I have a, you know, a decent amount of masculine energy naturally. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is insane. And I remember, and I want to go back <laughs> to what you were saying, of course, but I was in a meeting and I was kind of at the end of my rope. <laughs> and I remember I was really quiet. It was some product development meeting and I was just so checked out and, but just listening, whereas I tend to be very vocal and they were just like, what's wrong? Why don't you have an opinion? Mm -hmm. da -da 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 -da. I'm like, are you kidding me? I can't mm -hmm. have like one meeting of listening. Mm -hmm. It's just wow. like constant, like pulling so much energy out of you. It made me really tired. Wow. Yes. That's such a good point. Yeah. So I've seen really this pattern that. Um, a lot of women specifically in, in a, in a higher position felt like they needed to be act in a certain way. Um, you know, we will go more into that, this kind of unhealthy, young, masculine energy, right? And we, I mean, you probably said that many times in your, in your conversations to your, uh, audience. But when we say masculine and feminine energy, we're not really talking gender. Um, it's a little bit of a distinguish. I mean, it's, it's a, fine line and yes also but it's not the, the only gender because we have everybody has every woman or identifying or really you know everybody has feminine and masculine energy inside of them this is the yin and the yang and that's why I like to even use these terms but not everybody is familiar with these terms but of course no not of course because I wanted to say men have a little bit more masculine energy <laughs> You know, but it is, it's, it's a little bit, there is a balance and depending on what environments we are in or relationships with what kind of people and how much, how, how the balance and that is, you know, the masculine and feminine within them, ours is shifting, you know, and there's books and all of that written about it, but it's fascinating. So in a very, New York is already a very young masculine mm -hmm. city compared to other places. Um, It's go, 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 right? It's a lot of doing and literally the streets. I mean, not any, not, not last year, but before that, right? It's been go, go, go. There's such a, such a strong vibration in the city. And that's why people, creative people, ambitious people are thriving. So until they, until they fall apart because they overdid it. Um, but. Funny because I never had that experience in New York. Mm. I think it's because I mean I love New York. I live in Brooklyn too, mm. and I mm. moved here because I wanted. I live in Cobble Hill, and I wanted to be in a, a neighborhood that was beautiful, that has families. There's a park across the street. There's trees. 
when it snows, the snow actually stays on the ground. Like it's like the beauty of New York without like the chaos of New York, you know? This, this is so beautiful. You, this is exactly why I chose Brooklyn also as a place to live because it's the yin within the yang. It's the feminine, <laughs> it's yeah. the feminine within that quite masculine city compared to, you know, the West Coast or other places that are just more quiet, more slow. And, um, you know, and, and that was, a, it's vastly different whenever I got out of the subway at, in the afternoon or evening, oh, it was like a huge exhale. And that's always how I felt too. Yeah. So it's definitely that, um, it felt like you're in a different city in ways. And it really helped me to ground plus having a beautiful sanctuary, uh, you know, not even big because New York, not everybody can afford a big apartment or anything like that, but just whatever size of place, for me, it was important that it needed to be a sanctuary because after a day in the city, right? And if you go into the subway, it's fight and flight, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's beautiful and people are so close, which I've actually loved, right? I loved all of this beautiful, I mean, this, I love, I love New York. I love much. New York. So. I always love the city. Um, and it has all kinds of sites, but I, it's definitely, I learned to be a badass in New York. I think it made, you know, I really learned to, I mean, whatever that means, but for me in a, in a good way, in a good way, you know? Um, so kind of just to wrap up the, the little, the way you said, like what happened. So when I observe these, you know, these, these dynamics when with people and companies, I always said to myself, if I'm going to be a manager, um, I will show that you can get stuff done, that you can get your work done with having a smile on your face. That was a little bit my narrative because I just, I was so frustrated. I was like, why do people need to think they need to be, you know, I don't want to say a curse word here, but like, why do they have? Yeah. <laughs> It's my show. You can say whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't really love using them. So I think it's also because it's not my first language. They have really strong energy for me. So if I say like, fuck you or bitch or something, like I don't You're really. You're like, oh my gosh. It's a lot. It's a lot of energy. So I'm using these really mindfully, if at all. But, um, yeah, you know, right. you don't need to be a bitch in order to run a company. Like, <laughs> and, and get a lot of stuff done. And you know what I mean, right? right. I understand that. These people, women or men, you know, were actually really unhappy themselves because it's just like this idea. And this is, we go, go definitely back to that with the perfectionism, right? It's like thinking to put on a certain mask in order to be respected, in order to belong, in order to fit in. You know, it's, it's really interesting. So I know nobody does it because they like to. And I've seen the struggle and you can, it's just an energy, right? People are unhappy if they're not friendly. They're certainly I mean, behind the scenes. It's always a disaster. It's always a disaster. And it, it definitely comes from not being happy. Yeah. So, so eventually fast forward a few years, I did end up being, you know, managing like a small team or so. And, um, but also again, chose more the yin, right? The smaller companies, more creative work, smaller teams, uh, our my last job that was like two years or so wasn't in our um it was a really sweet company that had a store in in Manhattan, but our design office was in Brooklyn in Williamsburg. So oh, oh, you're probably so happy. I was really happy. Yeah, anymore. Also, yeah. And then also not having well, 
to go to Midtown all the time and then in the garment district. But still, the point is that there is definitely, I've realized um, that, you know, a lot of drama, a lot of uh, drama about things that are not the most important things in this life and and just people really getting sick from that. So my own experience, which was actually just only a year or two into internships uh, for actually really cool companies, but I was finding myself running, my husband would say, like a chicken with the head cut off, right? Back mm -hmm. and forth through down to Midtown and back to downtown, getting, you know, all the, the trims and all of that, what you do as a fashion intern. Um, and... I, after I think two years or so in, or maybe a year and a half, I actually stopped having my period. I wow. stopped having my period. And that was the first time ever. And it was about, I don't know, like it was maybe end 20s, mid end 20s. And um, really seemingly for no reason. Fast forward, um, you know, with like the help of progesterone from a holistic gynecologist back then, it didn't help. What eventually, and it, it it almost took a year to come back, but in hindsight, with all the, you know, the, the little knowledge that I gained over the years as a health practitioner, I realized I went completely into my masculine. Mm -hmm. I went completely like just, you know, basically rushing and running. I even stopped. I remember this. I mean, really just kind of reflecting over it. I started wearing, I mean, nothing against sports bras and everything, but I literally like started just wearing sports bras and, um, and just kind of like taking less care of myself. And, um, I don't want this to sound in any way, you know, superficial, but in hindsight, I realized I have, I definitely became, I was so, um, it's almost like being robotic. It's like, what is the most efficient way to just get out the door, get the things done, come home, sleep as little as possible, like just enough. Like it's just like, boom, 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 all day long. Stressed out and completely out of my body. You yeah. know, I basically hmm. completely was out of my body because at that point in my life, I, I, I wasn't really in myself yet. I, I had, didn't, maybe hadn't a lot of self-worth or... Or at, I mean, maybe some, but not so that I could hold my ground and say, I don't need to literally run to the store. It's okay if I can just walk. It's okay if I just pick up a coffee on my way. You know, I didn't have that yet. I was literally stressed out. And that was leads me into the second uh, experience that was, you know, fast forward like a year or two or I don't know, a few more um I was finding my myself in the mornings running through yet another another company, another job. And I, I was rushing. I was literally finding myself running to the subway. And all of a sudden, I had this voice in my head saying, why are you running? Stop running. Like, what are you running for? What are you afraid of? And I realized that I was running. Well, I was maybe a little bit late or afraid I would be late. Um, I realized that I was afraid of being yelled at <laughs> by my boss because, you know, I don't know if you guys had that experience. I certainly was yelled at, at my boss. I mean, over the many years of working, I started working when I was 15 at a clothing store in Germany. And, you know, I basically worked my whole life in like whatever jobs. Mm -hmm. But um, I had definitely had a good like fair share of abusive 
work relationships. We all have. Yeah. <laughs> so that that does it, right? That does it to a young person that is wanting to, uh, you know, go get to a certain place, wants to learn, wants to show up, is very insecure in, in the, you know, not yet knowing what they're doing really. It's so that was what, 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 what happened to me. And, um, and in that really masculine city or young city, I just completely went into my young and our period, our womb, our uterus, it's one of the most yin things a woman has, you know, so that connection of and, and, and our, our, our cycle. So, and, you know, for that reason, the moon is also yin sun is young just giving a little background here obviously we know that our cycle is based on the moon cycle so i lost my period because i just really lost my own femininity i mean or my 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 connection to my feminine essence which is uh, receiving resting you know embodiment i was out of my body <laughs> it's so interesting because as you're saying this to it, I'm thinking, you know, I always am coaching around how, oh, Western culture just has us killing ourselves for, for penny, for anything. You don't even need to receive a lot. It's just killing yourself, period, right? Is what we were taught, or especially in the United States. I mean, I haven't lived for long periods of time in any other Western country, but in the United States in particular, when you're talking about how you are so out of your body and you're running and you're just making sure you're not going to be yelled at and yada, yada. And I'm just thinking that it's like, there's no space in this culture for becoming. Hmm. Hmm. Not you leave your parents' house, which is like, just by definition of living in your parents' home, there's some structure there. We pick up all this stuff, no matter, you know, they did the best they could, but regardless, we're in someone else's home, someone else's rules, right? Like picking up the things that we learned from our families. Then, because we don't have gap year, right? So you go straight into school if that's what you choose to do. And it's like new set of rules, new set of performing, getting graded, being told what's good, being told what's bad. Then you're, again, no break. Then you're supposed to go straight into work. And and it's like we spend, it's like you can live your whole life in reaction. You can just be doing what you're supposed to do and reacting and picking up lots of trauma, obviously, by there being no room to breathe and there's just no room to become. So no big shocker that when you just keep going and going and going and going and we're not questioning anything until we're sick or worn out, especially for women, because our physical bodies actually can't handle as much stress as men, because you don't hear men talking about this nearly as much. Um, not to say that it doesn't happen to them or that they're as likely to talk about it, but the physical repercussions seem much stronger for women from what I hear. It's part of every woman's journey I've ever talked to who's been burnt out. And it's just, there's no room. You don't get to become a, like a full form human. It's yeah, it's, I couldn't agree more. And, um, there is no wonder. I mean, there are other effect, like, you know, things playing into that idea that so many um are suffering from i mean it's called infertility which does which also um means that having a hard time conceiving you know not not being not able to conceive but really um having a hard time even now at an early age and that can again it has different different reason um and i don't want to go too much into this but it's um you know but be, with the work that i do and the different modalities and just 
also, you know, friends and, and family and all of that. I, it's just really, you know, it's very commonly seen in the last few decades. And I think it's one of the many, um, many results from, uh, from the high stress that we are experiencing in the society. And what you said about the school and this like constant goal, what I also always wonder about or reflect on is that the time when we are supposed to decide what we're going to study or become is when we are teenagers. I had no clue. It's like, as a teenager, I mean, there's the rare few that really have it all together already. Which when is like, teenagers. if you want to be a doctor, usually, you know, pretty early and it's a long road. But <laughs> other than that, good luck. Well, Not but that, you know, and, and it's the few that actually really like start playing with the doctor tools that when they're like little children and that's then the route. But it's oftentimes the doctor is oftentimes implanted from the parents, the, uh, the lawyer, the doctor. I mean, even my mother and we'll call probably back talking about parents because the whole perfectionism is also much, much deep programming from childhood. Um you know, and um, that's why it's so hard for people to shake that, even though they don't want to be perfect. Anyways, we'll go back into that. But um, even my mother, that's what I want to say. We we have four children and um, and she wanted us all to start with Latin. You know, there was like Latin from oh fifth goodness. grade on. Yeah. I had like we all did it, but not everybody went through it really like happily or successfully. Um and then ideally all want to like, continue to study law or medicine or uh or like uh philosophy. I mean my mom is like <laughs> great. Um which is I mean philosophy, it's more like what is she? Oh, history or something like this. You know, just very academic and very old world. Um and I I mean I see I I see it actually in in, in different cultures where, you know. It's also this like, I want my children to be successful, to be able to have a good income. You know, it's a little bit of parents really trying to set their children Make up. Make sure you're safe, which there's, yeah. Yeah. And I get it as a mother myself, but it's a little bit old world uh, thinking. And I'm likely the reason plus for us to having to decide if we have the opportunity to decide for ourselves what we're going to study or continue to to work. And, you know, some study, some just go right into the work um world or you know other kind of educational routes but we don't know who we are when we're 15 or 18 like how can we choose what we're going to do that's why we are in this society now in this generation that is completely switching careers like not only once but maybe twice or three times and uh, now everybody's ending up in the spiritual <laughs> healing community because that's what we all need and that's i actually have my little idea because I've ref I've thought about it, you know about this so many so much because I I'm not the only one like who who switched from being oh a God. fashion designer to yeah. becoming an acupuncturist or a Reiki healing practitioner um my idea on this is because as myself I you know I'm, I'm very creative and that's why I ended up in fashion but I'm also a visionary and I think my my luck or my, my, you know, my blessing is that I somehow learned to follow my heart with confidence. And it was probably also like my, the trust of my parents that plays in with that and the support. Um, 
Did you but, have a moment though? Cause I'm similar, right. In terms of like, when I want something, I go get it. If I mm-hmm. don't want it, it's not happening, but we weren't always like that. Like you had a breaking point where you're like, I'm done. I'm going to do what I want to do. Right. Yeah. Ultimately did choose to leave. And like, usually that comes with some kind of like, goodbye mm-hmm. or a final straw or whatever it is. So what kind of made you go? There has to be another way. I can't live like this. I need something else. Wow. This is a powerful question. With with fashion design, from fashion into healing, I remember that clearly. It, and that was more, well, there are two parts to this because there's one, I feel like that is, has more to do with people and relationships and mm-hmm. like finding my own self-love. And that came earlier. But the career switch was literally me walking down a block in Brooklyn uh, on a beautiful day. And just after um, an economy crisis where a lot of people lost their jobs, mm-hmm. I don't know, 12. Was this 40. like in 2008? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was okay, but I was also working for a small company. And, but still I, I walked and asked myself, right. It's like the universe kind of conversations. And I was like, what would I do if I wouldn't be a fashion designer? What would the, be the thing that I would want to do? You mean just prompted by the fact that the world was kind of, well, we thought yeah. the world was falling apart then. <laughs> then hello. <laughs> yeah. Back when it was just small fries. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But- did, those, did that environment make you think like, what else would I want to do? Is absolutely. Absolutely. And and hearing from friends, because um, naturally I had a bunch of friends in fashion and photography and, you know, whatever, advertising, all of that. Um, so exactly. Absolutely prompted by that. And then, but so nothing came in immediately, but a week or two later, I was sitting at breakfast in my apartment on my computer drinking, having whatever, for song and coffee as well. Very yeah. healthy. And um <laughs> and I still love that. And I um and I found myself reading for over 20 minutes very, very uh engaged an article about vitamin B12 deficiency. Mm. <laughs> and I was so like a scientific article about it. So very specific. And I was like, that's not normal. I don't think everybody would would just be curious about that as much as I am in this very moment. And like, I was sucking up the information. I was like, I'm really interested in that stuff. Um, that stuff, meaning nutrition, you know, health in that way. So, and I think eventually, and not really long from, well, and that no, that made me curious about the holistic health coaching program that I still did as a distance learning program next to being a designer. And then I don't know if I should tell the rest of the story. Well, where now. did the healing, where did the healing come into place? Because okay. going to a Buddhist. Oh, yes. Yes. Thank you. For, okay. Yes. Like, I think that's true. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So, so that is the spiritual journey. So I have to though go back for a second and say that my parents, um, my, my dad, uh, is, is a businessman or was a businessman, but Mm -hmm. I mean, he still is around, but he is not working anymore in that way. But he, um, he was a mountain climber, uh, for his hobby. 
So he, they and a traveler. So my parents took us, the whole family, to um, to trekking trips to Nepal and India when we were very young. So we hiked around the Himalayas for for weeks and. Um, and, you know, I can't help but feel that the exposure to this beautiful, not only country and the people, but also the philosophies and religion that comes with that, specifically Buddhism, have really put an impact. And my father from those trips had also, you know, we had some Buddhas in the house and, and just some some Hindu sculptures and, and things like that. And um, so that was my first exposure, uh, exposure to, to that. Um, and, and then, um, I remember I was quite a wild teenager and I, um, like in other interviews, I oftentimes say that I was a very unconscious, like, I feel like not all the time, but compared to my life now, um, I was pretty unconscious as a teenager, no, but I, I, I was so wild. <laughs> Yeah, I was wild. I was wilder in my 20s than I was as a teenager, but definitely. I think this whole era of, you know, adolescents in their teens and 20s being awake, that's that's not our generation. <laughs> there, there were there were a, a rare few uh that I know, but um absolutely I know. It's it's fascinating to me. I'm always waiting. I mean, I actually do see it a little bit where I well, I don't want to get branch out, okay, but I, say it. I, I I managed a yoga studio uh, five and a half years here in LA, which ended like maybe two years ago. But there were a few really young kids that uh, well, or, they are now. Yeah, yeah and and I and I and I was managing like I you know they were my team, and I was blown away how with and teens early 20s they were so conscious and uh, already all like had yoga degrees and all of that and certificates more so um but then like specifically one girl that's that's a, that was my assistant in in ways and she is still um part of it but she <laughs> she definitely i think it's all about the balance right i i could definitely tell i think she's now going through a grunge phase she was all like always in in, in rainbow colors and and she literally i think and i i lost like we lost in touch a little bit after I stopped working there, but I, all of a sudden her Instagram turned all like black and white and, and like, and her, uh, everything she was wearing was dark and, uh, and like kind Lauren of, you the know, light in the dark, baby. Yeah. And it's funny because <laughs> it's funny because I had my grunge face when I was, I mean, I'm a child of the eighties. I was literally yeah. born in 1980. And I, I had my grunge face then, you know, like the whole Winona Ryder. And we like, did it in the 90s. Exactly. Yeah. So, but I had it early in my early teens and right. then just party times, you know, my God, I mean, I grew up in Europe after all and house clubs and then, um, okay, where am I going with this? The point, oh, Buddhism. <laughs> <laughs> The opposite of that. I remember the wild times, so though. I reflect back on them fondly. I was not awake, but I was having a good time. See, and this is what you're just saying is self-love. And this is it exactly... so fun. Yeah, I had fun too, but I also did a lot of like stupid things, I say, in hindsight. And I think I had a, a bunch of, you know, little angels around me. And, you know, 
as a very sensitive person, which I think you are certainly, we all are, like anybody who's listening to this, I know you're sensitive, you're intuitive, you're probably very creative. Um, it's a package. And as a sensitive person to just go and like to, you know, drink and maybe ecstasy or whatever came in, you get, you're leaving your body. And when you're oh. leaving your body, you might have a lot of fun, but sometimes it can also go like the opposite way because you're just doing things that you would normally not do when you're present. I was very when young. It came, I don't know how it was for you, but for me, when it came crashing down, it really came crashing down. So it was fun while it was happening, but, but I was asleep until I wasn't. And then it was, mm. you know, cause I was so out of, like you said, I was, had been living out of my body for years. Beautiful. It's, it's the sleeping. Yeah. I mean, I was again, through my family and the fact that they were always a little bit different in, in some ways and, and my path for that reason. But I also, I think my curiosity and my, you know, creative people, I think we sometimes also, or at least myself, I can only talk about myself. I was taking a few things to excess and until it was too much, you know, and, and I also had very little guidance. I'm the second child. So my older sister was, I think, more, you know, held together and, and had like limits. I had zero. Um, I, there were, I, I did whatever I wanted to do. My parents didn't even know where I was at night. Um, so I, I was out and like we were in the clubs until the early morning or maybe the next day was all the after hours back then. But long story short, that was my teenager years and obviously, you know, not every day, all day. Um, but I remember, um, and a little bit into my early 20s. And then I remember that I did, however, at some point, I think about 21 or maybe 20, I, I, I bought a, I bought a meditation CD and I started listening to that a little bit and did some guided meditation on the floor of my apartment. And then when I moved to New York and still had a little party and going on, especially moving to New York. Um, and I, I did, you know, certain things snuck in a little bit, but it takes time to, you know, it's like what you said earlier, but you said there's no time to breathe reminded me of the, the vision of, or the visual of a, of a seed, right? Seeds need to be planted. They need to be watered and then they need the, the sun and the moon and the, and the seasons to grow, but we don't allow ourselves the seasons to blossom, to grow and all of that. So, so I think I planted seeds for me, for a long time, knowingly and oftentimes unknowingly, and they have sprouted. And certainly my tra my tra travels, my, you know, to the, to East Asian countries, which I can't take any credit for, but my parents um, are still echoing through me in ways and make so much sense. So, you know, which have obviously I didn't appreciate back then when I was a child, but in hindsight, what it, what it left me with, you know, the impressions, the realization, or like just seeing how privileged, you know, like growing up in Germany versus, you know, like living, seeing children on the street or dead people and, and the bagging, right. It was, it, it was very powerful. And I think Anyways, I'm branching up right now, but I think about that a lot. And I think that if that's somehow available, um, I want to do that. Definitely. I want to bring my daughter and show her the world. But I think it's really, really important and powerful to see that because we can talk about these things or tell about, you know, our children about that. But really seeing 
how vast the world is and how different really has an impact on us. And um, so much of the density we see today and how people think and behave, which is pretty apparent right now in this country, is lack of exposure. Oh, that's beautiful. Sad, beautifully sad. Beautifully sad. Yeah. So to the temple where you reminded me of... Um, Still as a designer, so again, those seeds were kind of planted in between. Self-love, I, I kind of kicked in with me in my mid-20s when I realized what I was just going a little bit maybe too much into detail was my party <laughs> times. But, you know, where I was like, because first, when, I, when you wake up, you see everything more clear. And I saw myself in a little bit of an evolved, more evolved state or more awakened state and more conscious for that reason. And all of a sudden daunted to me how unconscious I was in certain times of my life and maybe also hurt myself with that, right? With the kind of relationships I maybe had and, and the way I allowed myself to be treated, how I treated myself. And can I ask, because I feel like this happens a lot where people are seeing the end product, right? Like people see me and they're like, you were ever not competent? What? Mm -hmm. Or like you ever financially struggled? How? And you obviously who very much represent, like you are so loving of yourself, et cetera. Like what were some of the things that you went through relationship wise that did get you to wake up just so we're not painting the picture of like, well, I meditated and then I woke up and then. <laughs> no, my goodness. I think so. I had many of these experiences, many relationships um, where I was very not in my self-worth, you know, and I think it was the accumulation of, first of all, finding myself in patterns and then waking up. Um, what I wanted to say earlier is that like, the, sometimes looking back and seeing, oh my God, why did I dated this person? Why did I do that? Why did I cry about that? Why, you know, why did I treat myself so bad? Why, why did I do that to myself? It comes with a feeling of shame and guilt, right? Shame and guilt. And that comes, but then what happened with me is like, I, I felt that a little while. And then I was like, wait a second, without all of these experiences, without any, all of these like maybe wrong wrong decisions or choices right bad choices i would not be where i am i would not do what i am i would not i would not be who i am and what were the patterns that you were in so and that will go to your question as an answer um god i i also want to be respectful because in the end of the day right it's all I really am in my place where I feel like this is all for a reason. Like I, I did all of this, but it was definitely dating. Okay. Dating. I think relationships is my biggest uh, work here in this lifetime for personal yeah. growth, you know, in, like yeah. personal relationships. So I was very into um, like, I'm very passionate. So I, I choose, um, partners that were very passionate. Um, I think I was only with a German. My first boyfriend was German. And then all of my other boyfriends until I lived in New York and met a German guy were all from like, you know, in Germany, we have, um, like a lot of, um, people from, um, you know, Turkey and uh and North um, North Africa and uh Italian I mean you know just like very very different yeah yeah beautiful and I was I don't know why I was thinking I mean I don't know I I hope I'm not going getting myself in trouble with talking about this and it sounds 
weird or, or, you know, inappropriate, but I don't mean it like that. I was just, I loved people, right? And I didn't, because of my travels, I just love people from any culture. I didn't Your have taste that. In the rainbow. <laughs> and, and I, and I, you know, and I grew up in a very, uh, like, I would say like mid, well, you know, mid upper class, uh, neighborhood or community. Um, but I was like, you know, I, I wasn't programmed like that because of my family. The mm -hmm. point being is I was just very, you know, and super young. I mean, in my mid, well, I think like my first boyfriend was like 60, was 16, but then, you know, was like, um, a bunch of boyfriends who also had like Muslim background. Um, and, you know, from Lebanon, I had like my second wife was Lebanese and then, uh, from, um, you know, and, and definitely, um, there was definitely something. And again, I hope this doesn't sound racist because totally. it's not like that. It's, it's not, it's just, it was, it was just really fact that, um, there was a little bit of a different hierarchy with the man in the family. And I think that well, came cultural. Exactly. That's what I meant. Yeah. 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 So, and, and I think there was, so, so there was a little bit of that. Um, so my second boyfriend, and we were kids, we were children, right? But it was like, don't look at other guys, you know? I mean, for a moment, we were also thinking we're getting married. So I, I like had started having the Quran on my bed and like was like, I was like, okay, I'm going to convert too much. Wow. <laughs> I mean, and my parents were just like, all right. <laughs> but that's the cool thing. My parents were right. like, okay, she's, wow. you know. Yeah. Yes. But, and then, you know, and then having, well, anyways, the whole point is that, and that has obviously nothing to do with the religion, but I, I just got myself. No, but you're basically making it sound like, and I can relate. It's like you would get in like engulfed and kind of go like so deep, so deep, so yeah. deep. And, <laughs> yeah. and it was, it was, it was a lot about just having, you know, just like being very passionate and fun and going deep, but also completely, okay, maybe this is my point, completely losing myself. Yeah. I, you know, we, I, I just lost myself. I just completely dissolved into the other person. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait, where am I? And, you know, and this is, I'm describing this kind of naively here, but this is a bit, you know, this is how relationships work. It's, and, and it goes back to the yin and yang energy. When we are not in ourselves, right? If we, if we don't, if we haven't come to a place of wholeness in some extent, we will always try to find that other yang or other yin no mm -hmm. matter of whatever sexual orientation we are in the other person. So I was very insecure, I think, in hindsight, mm -hmm. and um, not in myself, just very sensitive, but and also super passionate, you know, and we're so, we present so differently, but are so similar. I, I love that so much. So much and, of this. Yeah. And then so one of the big things that I and not a lot of people talk about this, but this was my very personal experience. When I, um, and also another thing, so most of these relationships ended with drama, right? And I don't know if it's the age we were in and like one cheating on the other, but the point is that I, I remember then eventually with mid 20 or a few, you know, a few years later, I had a boyfriend who was very different and the way all of a sudden after then also dating a little bit in New York um, and kind of the whole games that, you know, and all of that, I, all of a sudden I met someone and it was completely 
much more mature. This person was much more mature, much more grounded. And after like always looking for cool, right? Boys that are cool and, and handsome and like the, uh, like almost a little bit like not the bad, not bad, but you know, kind of like the, the edgy, cool guys. I think I had my fair share of that. And then all of a sudden met nice and mature. I was going to say you were really just aloof and emotionally unavailable. Exactly. And, or I also just, told you it was interesting and exciting. Yeah. And really also just immature in ways because yeah. we are immature, right? We have to, le- we have to grow into our maturity. And that's why we hurt each other in relationship. It's not because we want to, but because we're not in a place of honesty with self, of really knowing ourselves, right? Uh, so it's easy to hurt others or to hurt ourselves and be unconscious. But the point is that being loved and fully being seen and being like wanted for who I was um, actually helped me fully loving myself, Mm -hmm. you know, because we often say in the healing, like arts world and teachings that it's the secret to everything is self-love right you just have to love yourself but the point is it's not easy if you have if people haven't learned how to be nice to themselves it's it's it seems really hard to love yourself because I had one relationship that I would consider a healing relationship also wow I was also addicted to drama Mm -hmm. just these guys I mean fun but like you said the passion going like too far, you know, where you're like, whoa, what's going on? And then I attracted someone who was so kind mm-hmm. um, and not my person at all. And I was way too young to be making that decision either. But I remember after I, you know, that relationship ended, I looked back and I was like, or just when we were, you know, I was, we were ending things. And I remember just saying to him, like, you showed me what it was like to be loved. Yes, exactly. That's what I literally said to this man. And he's now my best friend. Like yeah. we actually stay like, because he is just someone who, well, you know, I feel like is much more grounded and he's not like doing all the spiritual stuff, but he is actually, you know, he has certain attributes that a lot of people with healing practices or yoga or whatever, trying to seek or to, to come home to remember in themselves. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and it was exactly what you just said. Like I, I told him that even in hindsight, I was like, because of you, I really started loving myself. Mm-hmm. And, and you showed me how it actually, it was also beautiful because it gave me the baseline to see how a healthy relationship feels. Mm-hmm. You know, just like that it's not, that it's not about you said it so beautifully. And this is exactly what I was maybe trying to describe earlier. The drama, right? The drama. Um, how in this case, there was no drama. It was like friends, but also, you know, with passion, but, but easy, how easy feels. And I know from my, from my clients and from, from some people that some people still haven't really felt that yet, you know, and obviously this all comes from childhood. It all comes from family, from parents or caretakers we grew up around, right? It's so unconsciously programmed in us that those drama patterns, but it's, um, it's beautiful that we had the same you know, experience that it was actually sometimes other people can actually help us with that piece of self-love. Yeah. I get so frustrated. This is something I don't really love about the spiritual community that you're supposed to somehow become a whole person by yourself (laughs) 
in order to have a beautiful life. And I understand that now that everyone is understanding, learning to understand more how important community is, how important the collective is. But I still think, especially for women in love, they're, and I went through this, you're just like terrified that if you don't become this like perfect woman who is fully self-sufficient, always okay, amazing, happy all the time, all these things that somehow you can't have the love of your life or that if you haven't done 12,000 years of healing, let's say it's business, you can't help when really you only need to be able to help someone who's a step or a few steps or more steps behind you. Hmm. And I guess this leads, but I, I do want to go back because you were saying you learned through so much the relationships and this helped you kind of get into the more spiritual path. But I just, I think there's too much focus on independence and healing period. And I don't think it's healthy hmm. at all. Hmm. And you're not the first woman I've met who said one of the most healing experiences that she had was through a romantic relationship. Hmm. Well, like that's, Hey, you know, well, to me, romantic relationships are, I mean, I have my very own idea about this because I have been in relationships most of my life yeah, and, and had like, I feel like I've seen it all. It doesn't mean that I'm, you know, and I know a good bunch about it and I, and I do support my clients a little bit through this because I feel like I've kind of understand it, which doesn't mean that I, you know, still have things with my husband to figure out and learn. But I came to the conclusion that relationships, intimate relationships and family are here for our personal growth mm-hmm. and not for love. I mean, that's mm-hmm. maybe a bold statement, but love is our connection with nature. Love is mm-hmm. our connection with our friends, with community, with ourselves. I mean, you know, in a greater sense, but to me, relationships and, you know, for that reason, intimate relation of marriage or, or just relationships are literally a practice field from the universe given to us to practice our self-worth and self-respect. And it will give us again and again opportunities to heal the patterns of drama that we have programmed inside of us. And I, I mean, I thought maybe this is so interesting. Cause I, so my Venus is in Chiron, right? Like the wounded healer. So I am just <laughs> like what I learn, I learn through love. Even what has propelled me in business were lessons that I learned through love, but it's to what you're saying, just like the self-worth, the boundaries, the, what I'm really here for. And, and it was never so much of like, I never had taken it, not never, but it's not so much about I think people get confused. They're like, oh, why did I attract this in? And like Mm -hmm. looking for all of that for blocking themselves and whatever. And I'm like, that isn't even what it was for me. It was just like, sometimes you need to see that you want more just out of life, (laughs) you know? And And I just think that so many of those quote unquote failed relationships kept pushing me forward and forward and forward to become a more whole woman who, and by whole, I just mean where I'm like, oh, this me, this is real. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, but I had to like be deeply and, and like, unfortunately engulfed with a number of these people to even see like, oh, wait, I don't like this. This isn't working. Like this is really toxic. Okay. This is getting really dark. I don't feel good. And waiting way too long to stop with the exception of the guy I was talking about earlier, but 
that's that's how I grew. It's the only way how we grow through experience. And then eventually, of course, we have to stop, right? And now I know way better and I wouldn't do that again. But it's just 100% been the, the like catalyst for me. Like wake, even my psychic awakening was through a relationship. Yeah. I mean, I think that's where I can, and it's still, I mean, to me, it's happening. Like it's, it's still happening. My marriage, you know, there's, there's definitely so much to learn. And, and interestingly, when you go on a spiritual path and all of a sudden you realize and dive deeper into the studies with Buddhism and things like that, that are very passionate. I mean, I have a big passion for that and curiosity. And it is all about loving kindness, loving awareness, compassion, acceptance, forgiveness. It becomes sometimes a slippery slide because what happens mm -hmm. is that, and then also through some, you know, levels of awakening that and heart opening experiences that that we see all of a sudden through every person's stuff, right? Right to their pure heart. Because I believe everybody well, that is become a disaster very Exactly. Because, <laughs> yeah. because then you're like, oh, but I see his potential or her potential. Right. And I see that if he would only do this. And this is what he told me. And I know that this is just his childhood was because of his abusive father or you know. Savior. Yeah. So, exactly. So so then you understand more about your own uh, you know, patterning and and how, you know, the whole idea of um um, uh, uh, trauma bonding. And mm -hmm. then all of a sudden it becomes it's like, okay, great. This is just here for my practice to be, but oh, this is all me. I can only change myself and I can only work on myself. So this is, you know, this is not, so it becomes this interesting practice where we have to do, or I don't know what we have to do, but where I find myself still up to this point. Um, in this fine balance of, okay, how much can I soften? How much can I keep my heart open again and again, right? Or not keep my heart, but opening my heart again and again. And at the same time, and forgive again and again. But at the same time, what I said earlier of using this opportunity to get my, to get to know myself better, because mm -hmm. if, you know, intimate relations are here for love, but also really because love is a big word. Love, in the end of the day is not the exciting beginning of a relationship love that's not love that's attraction that's, that's like infatuation infatuation your yeah. euphoria and all and of that chemistry and like all that kind of stuff. exactly yeah. so the love that is silent that is that is that is calm that is like like a walk in nature that may makes us feel at ease that makes us feel grounded and connected mm -hmm. so is that why you said did you say this that we're nature to me, yeah, to me, I mean, my... Well, of course, we are nature, but what did you, you... There was something you said earlier. I said that to me, our our biggest connection with love is our, like, or how we can really experience all of us is love is, is through connecting with nature. Yeah. It's like, you know, the walk in the park, the walk on the beach. It's like just because that love is, again, not that love of... <sighs> excitement right. it's actually feeling at peace so to me mm -hmm. true love equals peace yeah and yeah so you were mentioning we were i was asking you how your relationships led into your growth 
I know. Well, like, I love that this is becoming about a relationship, but yeah. <laughs> I, love I love it though. That's been my life too. And because we are not perfectionists, we're allowing this flow of, of, of spirit <laughs> and the universe guiding our conversation. And, and we would anyways yeah. talk probably about the same things and in, in the essence of them, right? Um, how it, how it has led to my, oh, well, it's funny. Or you were like, okay, I want to study this now. Okay. Now I'm going to, I want to start teaching and, you you obviously were getting like deeper and deeper and deeper. Well, okay, this is interesting. I don't know if I've ever shared it with you, but it's almost as if you would psychically know that I started going to a Zen temple. I've been wanting to find a meditation practice for a while. I mean, back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I actually met a person um, who then ended up becoming my next boyfriend. And I was actually at that time in a relationship um, who... Um, who, 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 who went through a Zen temple in Brooklyn and, uh, we, we lived in the same house. And then of course we met anyways, randomly somewhere again. And, and we talked, we, we got to know each other and he said, Oh, why I'm going tomorrow. I'm going to, to meditate in this temple. It's like, Oh my God, I've been wanting to, anyways, long story short, that whole journey ended up in a, a relationship with a lot of lessons. <laughs> yeah. The beautiful um, Colombian man, <laughs> of course, <laughs> passionate um, and a lot I of had lessons. One of those too. <laughs> yeah. A lot of lessons um, and um, and also a huge uh, breakthrough in my spiritual path and transform for trans- transformation because Zen Buddhism. So it was a Zen temple. It's a Zen temple in Brooklyn. It was only a few minutes from my house. It was. Perfect because the sessions start early at 5 a.m. in the morning. And I ended up through this relationship, uh, which was kind of the gateway, um, you know, but I, I ended up really connecting to the practice of Zen Buddhism and did had a pretty good practice for two and a half years. Um, and that was incredibly transformative because what Zen did to me was giving me that or opening the aspect of more grounding mm. and also maturity and that yin, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. very yin. It's very, it's about simplicity. And so that was the beginning of that. And it was maybe, God, I don't know, 2000 and I don't know, around like nine or 10 or so. And, um, And the funny thing is that, the funny thing, it's maybe not funny, but the interesting thing is that the way I share Reiki um, is because it's rooted in Buddhism. It's rooted in Buddhism just because the founder of uh, the system of Reiki, Mikao Sui, was a Buddhist. And he mixed his different curiosity and spiritual practices. He's Japanese, was Japanese. Um... And formed a system of healing arts that is very simple and it actually has the essence of Buddhism, but without the religious aspect of it. And that's how I, of course, love to share uh, Reiki because that's my own personal curiosity and and passion. And um, so... But I just wanted to bring that up because it all circles. And this is what life does, right? Things are circling like those seeds that we talked about like earlier that we plant. They are coming up eventually if we give them enough time and if we even forget about it sometimes. And it's just for me in hindsight, every little part has contributed to my 
current expression as a, a healing practitioner and uh, like literally everything beginning with my trips to India beginning I mean you know with with all of it so and I love this too because my journey was so similar and you know without even using having had to use the words perfectionism this much what we've been chatting about in the journey like they're like and you know I hope everyone who's listening hears this how much yeah, of course, there's like these emotional dramas and the ups and the downs and being young and drugs and partying and liking this, not liking it anymore, all this stuff, right? But it's like, when you allow the fluidity, right, the yin energy of the process, which to me, having that energy is like the exact opposite of perfectionist energy. Yeah. yeah. Um, When you allow that without judgment, just like what you're saying about looking back at the past relationships and it's not like, Oh my gosh, why did I do that? It's not a whole drama. It's just like, Oh, that's what I needed to learn. I'm someone who's very sensitive to love. The universe sent it to me through a man. So I were a woman or a partner. So I would pay attention. Cause you know, like it sounds like, like I was born a romantic, right? If you want to send me a lesson, <laughs> the fastest way, <laughs> the fastest way is going to be the relationship. Now I learn faster, but they used to have to really wake me up like that. But it's just like, you let all the, you just go with the flow and you collect the different pieces from the different parts of your life and the different careers. And you just let it all come together. And somewhere I see women really stressed out and suffering. And I'm like, you can't rise like this. It's trying to be like, what is it exactly? Where is it going? Like so much control and structure and strictness around the process. And I'm like, it doesn't work like that. Even I, right? Like I built a successful business really quickly. I know what I'm doing. I'm on top of it, yada, yada. But like, I just started, like I just went. And then I was like, oh, you know what? I want to make a lot of money. Okay, we're going to do it. (laughs) We're going to do it like this. Oh, wait, I'm good at that. You know, first it was just helping people create the lives that they wanted because I realized I didn't realize the degree to which women were so unhappy until they were hearing my story and coming my way and talking about where they were at. And so again, it was like caring for people who are behind me. And then I have a really extensive business background and I was realizing, oh, I really like working with the clients who want to focus on the business part of their story. Then I was like, wait a minute. Again, I want to be really successful. I want to be fully financial sovereign. I want to work for myself. Oh, wait, making money is fun. I want to show other women who care to do good things in the world how to make a ton of money without exhausting themselves. Like it just kept going. It wasn't like, One day I decided I'm going to be an entrepreneur and this is what it's going to look like. And this is how it's going to go. Yeah. No. And like, of course I teach people how to build businesses, their structure and all that stuff. But like the journey to get here, like the only decision I remember making was I want my career to be based off of like using the power of my voice, Mm -hmm. which I know we're going to talk about things we used to be insecure about used to be one of my shadowy things. But it's now the reason, I mean, when I was sharing that we were going to be chatting today, a woman in my community was like, oh, I'm so happy. You have the best voice. And I'm like, this is (laughs) funny because people always reflect back to me about my voice. And I used to be so like funny about it. 
I have that on my piece of paper. You know how I said, let's write down the things we thought about ourselves not being perfect. I literally have the the voice on my paper. I love your voice. Well, you know, but it's, yeah, it's, I love your voice and you do have a beautiful voice. (laughs) But just the, what you're describing is just this fluidity to just allowing yourself to arrive and then arrive again and then arrive again and arrive again and keep arriving. Yeah. And, and, and trust that whether it's a relationship, so a partner or a job, because I have the same with jobs. I literally job my whole life and I love working. I mean, you know, I'm just the same. I love people. Right. And that's probably why I'm in a relationship, but I love, and that's why I love my work so much. I love Mm -hmm. humans. I love people. I mean, I love like, you know, the like, but I I love animals too and nature, but I love humans. And, and it's, you know, and I think the curiosity of, uh, and I love studying human behavior. And that's, I think, you know, like to me, meeting another person, I want to know everything about them. I, I'm the one who asks all the questions, like who don't ask about the ex-girlfriend. I'm the first one asking about everything. You know, I don't have any rules in my head about that. I just, I'm, I'm really myself and die, as you said, diving completely in, which, you know, sometimes we burn our fingers, but I want to, wanted to say is that, if we realize because of our experiences, yours and mine, that actually while having, you know, a little growing pains here and there, it has led us into that like empowerment of realizing, well, everything, even if in hindsight, you know, it was like, oh, this wasn't a good experience. Everything had a message. Everything had a lesson. I mean, we, I would say, a teaching, right? Because sometimes if people had really horrible, painful experiences like abuse or something, right? It's really tricky to say, well, everything is a lesson, uh, right? But everything is yeah. is here to, you know, in some ways, if we, if we live through the experience, if we survive something, it is making us stronger in some ways, you know? So, but the part, the idea is that if we realize that looking back, and then continue to approach every um, person that comes into our life or, you know, whether it's just a person in the, on the corner store or, you know, or someone we actually become in a relationship intimate with has a message for us. It really helps us to not judge so much. And this is the thing about the perfectionist, right? Perfectionist, people who are, who are perfectionists, They are so hard on themselves and so judgmental. We all have that judgmental, you know, part inside of us. And it's easy to be, oh, good or bad, right? This is also complete programming. But everything's one way or the other. But there is this part about can we also just be compassionate with ourselves, right? Again, to be like, oh, my God, that guy, I would never ever kiss anybody like that anymore or whatever, right? Well, how could I, you know, but even... But can we then say, oh my, yeah, but I was also a little child and, and we didn't know better, right? Like this piece of compassion and of acceptance of self, that is what a lot of perfectionists really um, having a hard time with connecting to. And there's just this harsh self-judgment that they don't want and really trying to shake, but it's like, you know, that's not good enough. And, um, and that is, um, that is just really, really like a, a pretty interesting phenomena and, um, and really painful as we already, you right, talked about a little bit. It's, it's very, I mean, 
previously before mm-hmm. the recording it's it's very painful for a lot of people who who have not learned to be in the flow a little bit more and to trust that not everything needs to be a good experience and this idea of it's okay to make a fool out of yourself right like if i tell you stories i'm also learned how to be honest and transparent and and not having any like i don't want to hide anything right i know that I could tell the most embarrassing story here and I won't because it's maybe not even interesting to most of you, but it's, it's okay. You know, I know that a lot of people, most everybody has an embarrassing story, you know, it's a million or a million. And And yeah, it's funny because wait, where, where was I going? Oh, so the flow and, oh, well, I forgot. I'll come back to it. But it's funny because, oh, where it comes from. So this is, oh, this is what I was thinking when you were speaking is that this culture of, you know, the American dream and the love, the sameness. Cause I was thinking earlier, mm. where did this come from? Why are we like this? And at least in the experience that I feel in the United States and, you know, everyone got sold this whole American dream. The American dream looked a very specific way, right? Mm -hmm. With a specific picture of a man, a specific picture of a woman, a specific picture, like think back to the fifties, right? Of these children in the house and the whole thing, like the way the dream was sold was not just, oh, you can have whatever you want. It was like, Mm -hmm. this is your dream. And this is, these are the perfect people. This is what they look like. This is what they act like. These are the kind of jobs they have. And 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 what that looks like has changed over time, right? In terms of like the type of woman that we are we culturally decide is beautiful, which looks different in five years. And then it's a different person person 10 years mm-hmm. um, from there. Like it changes, but we're fed really just through the economy, right? Because it's money making mm-hmm. what perfection looks like. And rather than realizing like, oh, this is the beauty industry talking to us, or this is some other industry talking to us to get us to buy this thing, which is okay, whatever, that's business, I get it. But we like take it on as Mm -hmm. personal rather than being able to see what is business and then what you need to actually like pull into your soul Yeah, on top of what we learn from our family. And so I just think, I mean, we see it even with how people think and group think and how quickly group think has gotten us in trouble. I mean, we've seen that play out, right? Just over the past year, I think people are waking up to mm. buy into things we, we, without even realizing. But I think it's this culture of sameness, right? That makes people feel like things are supposed to be a certain way. And so then you're in so much pain if you don't feel like you're this representation of what the media or whoever told you at any given moment, because they could literally change in two months. Like it goes from Kate Moss to Kim Kardashian. Hmm. We're in yeah. different universes, right? But women still responded every single time. Yeah, it's very fascinating. It's definitely, um, it, it definitely is a lot like trying whenever it, I mean, and, and I found that was my own journey, right? I mm-hmm. feel like when I was a teenager, well, you have these role models, but literally wanting to look alike, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I wanted to look like Winona, I mean, just like certain like people and literally like dyeing the hair and things like, and, and, you know, as a child, I mean, again, I have a daughter who's now, who's now three years old and, 
this is human behavior. We learn right. through imitation, right? We literally mm -hmm. learn to speak, to, to, to walk by imitation. So that how, so it, it's like one of our most innate things as a human being to imitate, mm -hmm. um, in order to grow. But then eventually comes, right? And this is a very personal journey. And sometimes it can be amazing parents or, or mentors, right? I feel like I didn't have a lot. I mean, I just wish like there was this person that just came into my life when I was 14 and said, this is how you do that better, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I never, or like, this is, this is how you, this is how you actually take care of your hair or something like that. <laughs> I never had that. But I, um, okay. That really just brought me out of my thought, but, um, oh yes. So, so it's then eventually to realize, which, which is what thankfully is now really exploding this realization that it's all about coming. I mean, the Buddhists call it yeah. our true nature, rem remembering because, um, you know, in, in my realm of like my understanding of healing is this, it's not becoming whole, but it's remembering our wholeness, right? So it's remembering our true nature, which also makes a difference from accumulating some wisdom or skills that we don't have yet, but actually releasing all the ideas we have. So the, the authentic self, the true self is actually something that we don't have to, well, once the heart is set, the compass of the heart is set on becoming the most loving version of ourselves, right? Like conscious version means being good to like compassionate and loving to, to all, to everybody. Then it really is just a matter of, um, of, of, of peeling away all the layers that we are trying to be different and, and, and anybody but ourselves, because we really are, I don't know, I'm going to state a bold, um, you know, cliche, but we really are the most beautiful and the most perfect, um, the way we are. There's, you know, I mean, look at how many different people are on this planet, but there is, unless you are an identical twin and then you have even different personalities, right? Nobody is like you. And that is the gift of life. Nobody looks exactly like you or is exactly that with the voice, with your, you know, with the, with your, with your own heart. It's really the heart that's, you know, our heart that we are here to share, but it's, there's nobody who can, who is, who is, who can be you. And that is really to understand that that is, that is really our goal to to just and we don't have to do anything for it. We just have I to allow trying so hard. Yeah, I always say that even in business. I'm like, stop trying trying so hard. So oh hard. God. Like it's oh. not gonna work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's and that is the young. That is the young, the doing, doing, doing. And in the Taoist tradition, they call it the Wu Wei. And it means mm -hmm. doing by not doing. You know, it's this idea of um what you said earlier about your profession, you know, you said you're putting the word like you want to you want to put out your dream into the world. Right. Mm -hmm. But then again, allowing these seeds to grow. Hey, gorgeous. I hope you're enjoying this marathon episode. Laura and I could literally go on till the end of time. I love chatting with her so much. Her voice is so medicinal, too. It's so yummy. I wanted to take a quick pause to remind you that when you rate and review the show 
and either DM your screenshot to me or email it to assistant at jocelynkellyreed.com. Through April 30th only, you are able to receive $500 off. Never done this before, but I'm so excited of joining the cohort. So that is only going to be live till the end of April, but I'm just like really feeling these. I don't know. I'm feeling really free flowing. So I want to share that feeling with you and the container is magical. So I would love for you to join. And then of course, um, if money queen is more up your speed, you are up your alley. You are still able to rate and view the show for $200 off my other program. So that would be money queen. Or if you want to get in on pre-enrollment for the next round of Feminine Magic and Money, like literally, guys, it's been insane in there already. And we just started in terms of the magic and the transformation. So the next round is going to kick off in October. And since we're a bit earlier out, I can offer a longer payment plan. So get in touch with me about that. And come join the cohort. And get. I'll let you get back to the rest of the episode. It's interesting too, because I think you have to learn. Oh, this is what I was thinking. So it's interesting because people get so, like I said, we get very swept up in the world we're living in, right? And can't, and I always say, I'm like, you can live the patriarchies around us. Unfortunately, it's live and well. The system is around us. All these things are around us. I'm like, you can live with them happening around you and be part of the change without getting so sucked in. It doesn't have to be like, you're so angry, you hate the world, blah de blah you can't focus, you can't make money. Now you're just like, you're living in like total reaction to all that's unjust or you're totally living within the system. And something that I feel like people have a hard time with is learning to realize like there's stuff going on that you don't like and you can be part of the change. And you can have your own world and decide what you want for yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's something that I feel like I'm good at doing where mm-hmm. it's like, hey, I see things. I don't, I just like the state of the world does not make me collapse. Exactly. I see it and I'm like, okay, bird's eye view. We can see collectively what's happening. We can see where we're going, put my money where my mouth is, put my voting power where my mouth is, right? Do the things but I'm not going to like bleed out over it because I can't, you can't. And people, this is where I saw a lot of women get stuck in 2020 is like going into complete overwhelm. And clearly, you know, we're off the way that we're off to the races in 2021 is like, here we go again. So I'm like, ladies, you got to like toughen up a little bit, you know, and not to not feel your emotions, but just to be like, to learn to be an observer of the world. And because we live on the 3D plane, like hmm. we are, we're going to continue to be human. Like in this life, you were not born as a spirit guide, right? So hmm. we need to be able to like move in the world, impact change, but also like really take care of our own house so you can be happy. It's, it sounds like what you're talking about is, um, you learned, you know, it's you learned how to have a healthy set of boundaries with your energy. Yeah. You know, that's that it's really that that was like, you know, what happened yesterday or like it's you really, awaken really and awakening is a const- constant process. It's waking up, then waking up again, maybe falling asleep again. But once this is also within ourselves, right? Once we notice, oh, this is a pattern and this is something that's not beneficial to my own heart to mm-hmm. my own, you know, to the world, we 
And some other people maybe will try to, to go against it, but it will not make it go away, right? And what mm -hmm. you also, you also brought up something in a way, or you said to put my money with my mouth and so on. This is the concept of integrity. Because mm -hmm. once we awaken in some ways to our own journey of, you know, to me, spirituality just means getting to know yourself, right? And when we're getting to know ourselves by observing, oh, how am I moving through this world and through my family? And how am I treating myself? How am I treating other people? Doesn't mean that we're not getting angry anymore. We're not doing yeah. the things anymore. It just means that we're getting more aware of it and with time doing less of the things that are hurting ourselves and the planet. And I I trust and I know that this is a, this is an evolution. This is a development. But right now, with all the realization or the freshened awareness or some, you know, that has the whole virus, like, or the, the pandemic brought up, it needs to hit the fan. You know, it needs to hit the Literally. fan in order to be transformed. Like, it can't, well, because Things can still exist, but but we can, you know, it's like doing something really nasty and then trying to fall asleep at night. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, it's it comes back. So it's um, I don't know if that was a good example, but, no, but yeah, it's like but, we want this beautiful new world. Well, guess what? We got to like birth that baby, like yeah. it's going through the birth canal. It's painful because there's hundreds of years of lies, racism, oppression, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah all packed on top of each other. Yeah. So shit's going to, pardon my French, but like blow up, blow up in order for it to, for us to settle. And I think also that we have to acknowledge we're a transition generation. Yes. We're not see the yes. Like everyone just needs to realize, like put it in perspective, like of just the life of the planet earth. And, and that's transition beautiful. Generation. Beautiful. Okay. So we that, have to like get so, I mean, I'm a black woman in America. It's not like I don't care. Yeah. It's just that like, I am not going to be up and full, like we've all experienced these phases, right? Of last year, just being in so much anxiety, so much despair, reading about coronavirus every day, just like losing yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And feeling like you can barely function. I refuse to live like that. Beautiful. It's your healthy boundary because you realize you can impact, like you are here to, to really come into your truth and to share your truth with the world and help, uh, you know, and make the world a more beautiful. It's like this idea, like leaving a place more beautiful than we arrived to it. Yeah. And, and I think this is also with our life journey here. And I think, you know, again, to back to the boundaries. And I think what we see in our clients and so many, especially women. I mean, there are some patterns that we see, you know, a lot learning how to receive is what I see all mm -hmm. the time, which is that yin uh, quality, right? Because the yin is receptive. It's, you know, the yang is more giving and the yin is receiving. And I know that so many women have that not because they want to have a hard time receiving support or love, or, you know, but actually it's program. I mean, unconsciously programmed because they maybe had a mother and then that was a generational thing, right? That didn't, or a father or, you know, whatever that, that didn't, uh, that wasn't, that couldn't receive or couldn't, but that was just giving and giving and giving. Mm -hmm. So that's like a big deal. But the, yeah, so the, the boundaries of 
being like, okay, this is going on and I'm not going to be in denial of what's going on, but I, I need to be aware of how, because the occurrence itself, right? Like something happens. We like some, something happens, like someone is getting tortured, right? Someone or a whole, a whole country is like, there's the war, you know, we need to be like, okay, this is happening. Having awareness to it, obviously, you know, all of us, we want this to, we want the world to be a healthier and a, and a more loving and conscious place. But then to say, what can I actually do? Like, like, like within my own means and like really, and this takes like really honesty with self and, and completely cutting out any outside voices, right? Of like, thinking we have to do this or do that but how can i it was my own heart and my skill set do create positive change in the world because there's something happens but then there's a lot of people talking about it and like i mean media first and foremost right and that is the energy drain that is the suction talking about it, not to show the way forward, but just to create drama. And so when I think about what can I do, I'm like, Hey, what are my gifts? My gifts are business and money. I'm spiritual. I'm an intuitive. Those are the kind of women I draw in. Isn't the world going to look a lot better if I stay in my power Mm -hmm. and teach those women how money is power in this world that, you know, clearly the government isn't coming to save you. Nobody's coming to save you. If we've learned anything, you have to be like, be able to resource yourself in this world, right? Or you want to be able to, to live like peacefully. So you're not terrified while the world falls apart. That really helps. I mean, not all of it is financial, but look what's happened in our economy, et cetera. Like you want to have a level of like, well, that's okay because I can, you know, not everyone's meant to be an entrepreneur, but let's say that you are like, for me, it was like, thank God I wasn't in that office dealing with my crazy boss and their stress response to the world. Instead, it was up to me to drive the ship. And I'd rather it be up to me than up to somebody else. That's for me personally. And everyone's not the same. But to me, the biggest gift I can give is to show other women how to have, you know, how to actually build businesses where they help other people and help other brands because we say we want to be part of the change. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're saying, of course, vote, of course, donate your money and do good things in the world on a big, you know, kind of like on that level. But also it's the impact that you're making in your everyday life. And if you actually have an outlet for your voice and the bigger your business is, the more people that you reach and the whole thing, that to me is a lot more impactful than me laying awake at night, stressed out and angry. Yeah, that is not serving anybody. And it's exactly what you say. It's the, what can I affect? And if, as while the business is growing, right, which oftentimes takes a little bit of time, I'm not, I also didn't have my client flow, you know, overnight. It took, I mean, again, I'm a hard worker and I always, I I learned how to hassle, hassle, hassle is how you say it, right? (laughs) (laughs) And it's, you know, but it's really so like I when I knew I needed to move back to Cali or back to California to go back to school. And I was like, I need to work this time around. So I (laughs) 
<laughs> well, because some, you know, the one, the right. acupuncture uh, course, like the master's degree in New York was, it was full, full time. And I was focusing on that and had the, you know, the, the luxury to do so. But I was like, okay, this time around, I, I need to find an, a job next to it. And then I worked at a yoga studio. Anyways, so there was always something and I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't find myself too good because I used to be a, working as a fashion designer to then just work at a yoga studio and make like a fracture for a little while, but it gave me community. But what I wanted to say is while the business grows to what effect do I have when I go out on the street and how do I behave around my neighbors, right? How do I interact with my neighbors? Because this is a chain reaction that maybe some people are completely unaware of or you know it's like we I say this because some you know a bunch of people reach out to me say Lara how did you do it how did you grow your business how did you went out and got your clients and it's like you just get started for one (laughs) well it's it's also while and with COVID right where you maybe can't see a lot of people but you know how about your immediate community like do you go out do you know your neighbors names like do you go out and uh do do you know what your neighbor does for you know for work do you does your neighbor know that you are a reiki practitioner or you know like this it's 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 not only instagram and it's not only right these are all amazing tools that help us to spread further but it's also the more immediateness. And I think this is really this idea of being present. And what you say, or what we talk about was the idea of the events in the world that are, because the truth is yin and yang, right? The world is not butterflies and rainbows all the time. And it never was, and it never will be because we, yin and yang are the, it's, you know, the two opposite forces are night and darkness, sorry, night and and night and day and light and darkness are what makes the what make what creates movement and motion and without mo- mo- movement and motion there wouldn't be any like creation so we need these opposing forces and and that's just the way that's the that's the the nature of this of this of this existence so the point is that if but we, I do want to say that's not for us to say that these atrocities are okay. No, oh my God, nothing of this is okay. But the point is that it's more about this is not okay. What can I do rather than what can I, like again, being completely lost in the drama of it, of of how it is, again, what you said, like the, how it is reported about, which like, okay, this is not okay. I want to contribute in my end to change this, you know, and then, turn off the TV, turn off whatever you have to turn off so you don't feel drained and then go about it, you know, go about it. And I think, you know, what you're explaining with your business, it's, I feel like that you connected to your healthy masculine, you know, the, the, and the money part is a little bit more of that young. I say, I teach that money is masculine energy. Absolutely. And it's, and you, and it's, and this is what a lot of us women, and I, I can find myself in that even still because of my father and his role in our family Mm -hmm. to like wait for the, I'm I'm not really doing this, but I'm just giving it as an example, but like to wait for the uh, savior, right? And this is the same with healing because I always like to say to my clients or students or whenever I, talk about this we healing we healers or healing practitioners we don't heal another person right we support others on their healing journey so 
I believe that and not everybody talks like that and not everybody maybe believes like that. But to me, I don't believe anybody heals another person. But what we can do is help to empower other people to believe in their own capacity to heal. And, you know, and healing is not always healing from a disease or, you know, from a, from something that is not like that is out of balance, but it's, 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 it affects the holistic of the mind, the body, the heart, the spirit, because sometimes we can go through major health crises, but we still remember our true nature. And then that can actually be the true healing, right? We can heal in the moment we die, if that makes, I mean, to, to make it a little bit more of a bold, like the way I mean it, healing is not always fixing ourselves for, or getting rid of something, getting rid of. So, but, um, why did I? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really about empowerment and, you know, you with the teaching women about money and it's really helping to not waiting to, for, for that to come magically in or for, to meet a person or a, a partner that can bring that part in, right? It's, it's really to be like, okay, how, and this is what Ram does says, right? Like he's not, amongst the the human living living humans anymore but he said and he just passed i think a year ago so but he said we need to remember two things in this lifetime it's our buddha nature and our social security number mm-hmm. you know and this is exactly showing this idea that we are not here to and i'm talking now to the spiritual community listening to mm-hmm. the to meditate on a mountain just a few are maybe meant to be monks in this lifetime at least from our western world but mm-hmm. it's we are here to bring our gifts into the world and that means not denying or like closing our eyes to you know what i said earlier to to like that the fact that their life has suffering and there's a lot out there that is going on that is not right but we cannot allow ourselves to hinder that from from you know like we we can't we can't get defeated by that i'm non-functional and i always say like the mastery is learning how to be a spiritual being and highly effective on the 3d plane at the same time yeah. And also to that's, you know, maybe that's like circle back around to not take our perfectionism or ambition into, into our self care and into our spiritual practice, because that's what I see a lot too, right? It's this kind of a type in the yoga studio or the a type in, you know, and this, I'm not, that sounds maybe judgmental, but I don't mean it. Um, you know, it's, it's literally this programming and why so many people meditation is torturous for a lot of people mm-hmm. it's torturous it's intimidating um even though simple meditation is literally just sitting in stillness there's so and many demons inside because the mind yeah. you know we become aware of the chatter of the mind of the mm-hmm. self-judgment and you know and it's it's really um it's really interesting to me whether I'm in acupuncture school in Chinese medicine school or in my own classes and and then the questions from you know it's always the same questions always the same that people are still waiting for the like am I doing this right right am no, I, I it's uh, it's um it's just I see it so much in business and I always want to say like answers aren't falling out of the sky the savior is not coming. You aren't going to get struck by lightning and all of a sudden you know everything. 
you learn by doing and until you show up in energy and action and with a commitment, nothing is changing, period. Yeah. And then practicing integrity and integrity and none of these things you can fake, right? Integrity is something that comes. And this is what I wrote down a little bit reflecting about the topic of perfection, because I think there is a healthy and an unhealthy side to it, right? Mm -hmm. The unhealthy part, this idea of perfection is to put a mask on, to try to be different than we are. But what we are really seeking is And this is what you said, right? It comes from the programming of uh, how a life should look like, how a family should, how success is look like, like in a Mm -hmm. career. And it's really, I think, what we're truly looking for in our essence, in our heart is, um, I wrote down purification, but I mean it in the sense of refinement of the soul or refinement of our um, of the way we we move through this world and and really in the sense of, wait, I wrote this because I said, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's the idea of, um, you know, there's a, there's a Zen saying that goes, we don't have to perfect ourselves, but we have to perfect the way we love, right? We have to perfect our love to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's another Zen saying, I think, as well. And um, and it goes that we are all perfect, but there's still room for improvement, right? But that comes from a Buddhist saying that. And the idea is that the room for improvement is the compassion part. And the mm-hmm. compassion part is the embracing of of all of, of who we are. And that is the yin, right? The embracing essence is the yin. It's the mother, the mother who loves, I mean, a healthy mother, right? Mm-hmm. A mother who loves the child. If you are a loving mother, it's unconditional love, you know, and that is how we would like to I, ideally it's a, it's, it's a tricky word because it goes to perfectionism, mm-hmm. right? but how we would want to love ourselves like a loving mother, her child, where it's, and it's not like, um, being okay with, with BS, right? Being okay with lot, but we're just like, this is okay. You're, you're doing this because of your old wounding, right? You're doing this because you're here to learn. I always say to my daughter, honey, it's not about making mistakes. It's about learning from our mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the whole point. But so the idea about purification and, you know, because what helps is, being wait, I, I made a whole list, but it's it's kind of like being organized versus being messy, right? We we know that that it has a certain energy. It's like having our our ducks in a row, having our stuff together. Um, but being, at the same time, like sometimes it might be a little messy. Well, I, I'm no, like, like exactly. whatever. <laughs> but absolutely, but we have to first learn how to like you know. It's like. Living for learning the first... how to take care of yourself exactly, yeah. and being uh, accountable, accountability, and you know, responsiveness, and uh, like take being responsible, like learning. Mm-hmm. Like the first time we live with a roommate, right? We 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 see either from ourselves or another person how if you don't do the dishes right away, what happens? It's like not taking care so of. You're it. talking about the things that are like healthy forms of learning how to make exactly. So and I think. And I think that's what we're actually seeking because we're, we're realizing that if we do that, there isn't, there's that we feel more in synchronicity. We feel more 
in well, our I always say you create like your our feminine needs a masculine container to feel safe. So like we need money. Mm. That's organization. It's structure in your structure. Business. Structure. So for feminine energy to feel safe and to be able to flow and just be in the creative zone and do whatever, all those other things need to be there or you don't feel safe. Beautiful. That's exactly what I was I think trying to get at. And and those come with um learning how to be, and these things are also empowering, right? Learning how to be on time and how it feels if we are actually um, be like learning how to be prepared, right? And this is, but these are the things that they can go overboard and then so obsessive and that's yeah. perfectionism because it's all about these things of how, what else, like a balanced diet, which doesn't mean, and I'm a holistic health coach. So this is, this was one of the most beautiful things that we learned is, um, well, first of all, it's all about the balance, but it's not a perfectly balanced diet in every single day, but it's about being okay having a piece of chocolate here and there or like a whole thing of chocolate because, and then embracing it, right? And then, and then realizing that when you're in a good place with yourself and your body, you will crave the veggies the next day, right? You were, but it's, um, what I wanted to bring up is this holistic health coaching for one thing that I love so much. And this is what you were getting at. So once we have learned how to take good care of ourselves and literally, and it literally starts with like taking care of our body, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not Which having- can really be a journey. I mean, that sounds simple, but that alone, <laughs> that alone is but, a lot for a lot of us. Yeah. But, but even like taking care of ourselves in a way of like having like cleanliness, right? Because right. I'm not talking about the perfect hairdo. I mean, look at me or, you know, or the perfect makeup or anything like, but like being like cleanliness in the sense of like, you know, put together, but not in a, in a, in an artificial way. And so what I was trying well, to it's get like feeling, doing, making the choices that actually feel good. You it, feel uh, better if you take a shower every day. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you and know, that is better. And, if you go for a walk, you feel better if you get enough sleep. Better in a yeah. healthy way because it yeah. actually, it's like meeting the needs that we truly have versus like feeling better when we have uh, three glasses of wine, which I mean, did not make me feel better. But you know, but the yeah. thing is like the feeling better in a healthy way where we know That's like, oh, I mean. it yeah. doesn't make me first feel better and then shitty but I'm actually feeling better because it, like I'm investing in myself in the most healthy way. And um, yeah, so the thing that this holistic health coaching work was teaching is the idea of, um, which is actually kind of the idea of hermesis, but being bad. And I think this is really the medicine for a lot of perfectionists. And because perfectionism is also a sense of like a, it's like a false sense of being in control, right? It's a false sense of being in control and also to me a fake sense of belonging, of belonging in a in a in a, in a society even in ways. So yeah. so breaking out being bad and some people literally will feel like a badass if they have a piece of chocolate or like a muffin or something like that because they're maybe so, you know, Again, with that controlling self-judgment, yeah. like, I can't do this. This is like, I can't, right? This hardening, there's like su such a hardening, like, uh, and literally being hard on self. So, so the program is like, you know, being bad is the mantra. I it's mean, because with money, I always say good girls don't get rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, it's all coming together, right? That is hilarious. I love that. Well, and this is obviously it's it's about so there's this there's the the word hormesis hormesis and mm-hmm. I probably like pronounce it wrong um, in this language, but it's the idea that sometimes um, you know, and this, this can be attributed to diet or sometimes something that is actually toxic can have a healthy benefit to the body, to your life. You know, it's actually to, and there is an, there could be a million examples, but this idea of why some people say having one glass of wine gives you a longer life, right? Mm -hmm. Or one glass of wine once a week or something like that. But it's, it's the idea is that too much of one thing, right? And this is with the perfectionism. It's like there needs to be, yeah, this, this breaking out basically, like you, who, who made the rules, right? We, at some point in our life, we know the rules of ethics in our heart. And then it's about integrity, right? I mean, I hope that we're all growing more and more into this liberation that nobody else outside of us is you know, can give us better advice than actually our own heart, right? I mean, we're here, and this is the same with like the uh, life coach. We are here to support others, right? We are not supposed to do it by ourselves, which you said at the beginning with this healing and people getting stuck because they think they have to do it all by themselves. We're here to, to support each other because we're here to remind each other of something that we somewhere inside of us already know. Oh, that, yeah. yeah. And that is, that is our path. I mean, you're in my path, right? We're here to remember, remind others with our set of skills, but our set of skills are because we learned how to follow our heart and, 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 and actually follow our curiosities and what, what fills us up. And that's why we're good in what we're doing because we're just like, okay, I'm curious about this. Okay. I, I think I'm really good at that because I love that. And then. You become, this is the whole idea of magnetism, right? Then people are like, oh, I want some of that. Like this, this, like I want to learn that from you because you just embody that in some ways. And, but it's not a chosen, I mean, it's, it's just something that, you know. Well, you just, become it. You're not doing it on purpose. Well, exactly. Following your curiosity and following your heart and then just sharing what you love. And then you become you know, you start to become quote unquote, the teacher because you've chosen through life to study and it doesn't have to be formal study, but you just keep choosing to go dig deeper on the path, deeper topic. And so I chose money and business. You chose healing. You just become the teacher because of your natural areas of interest. And then you go share what you know, you know, it's so beautiful. Like said. No one has to put your crown on and tell you you're ready. Like it's in some ways it's simple. And I understand that the delivery of it and, you know, we build the business, there's a brand and all these things. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's why people like me exist. Right. When you need help, but just in terms of you having interest and like embodying your work and then just wanting to teach what you know, to help people because it helped you, that part is simple. Yeah. And it's also beautiful. Like people connect to people like you and I, because it's, there's also the recognition and it's nice to, to be like, Hey, I want a little, this is the receiving, right? It's like, can, like, I need a little bit of, if I'm, I'm someone who has no problem asking uh, for help, right? Like if we, we need to learn how to ask for help. Like I, I, I actually don't have any problem, you know, getting supported. Like I, I so much support. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, and this is something that a lot of people also have to learn. And of course, support can come in different ways, right? Sometimes people think, well, I, I don't have the money to do this and this, but there's exactly always, you can. and yeah. also don't be afraid to ask. You know, I sometimes when I have people reaching out and saying, Lara, I would really like to do that. And I don't, right. It's like, we can come up with a solution. Like the fact that you reached out and asked me, I want to honor, you know, yeah. and I, um, so so we're, we're talking about too, I guess, without saying it, because the question that came up or that obviously comes up that I was asked was one, how do you know if you're a perfectionist? Hmm. And then two, how do you go about healing? And I think we talked about kind of just some sort of the healing and action of just like, stop being the good girl, go do what you want to do, be a little quote unquote bad. And like, you know, the things you think you shouldn't be doing because you were told not to go do some of those things. <laughs> well, know. and really identifying because I feel like with all people I know who really have that as a as a struggle um, and block, really, um, it's it is from the father. It's it is from the mother. Where it's, it's often time, or you know, maybe somebody mm. else in the in early life, but it is oftentimes a family pattern. So. Um, that's at least the people I can think of right now. Can you and give I, examples? When, so when I say where it comes from, just on a family level, like what would be the dynamic in the family that could potentially create that? Um, well, things like work needs to be hard, right? Which is a lot of people came to this country or other countries um, from, you know, poor backgrounds and um, and really had to work incredibly hard. And I mean, you know, like this is still a thing and this is like the so you mean like the, basically that survival pattern that gets passed down so if generally like you know most of us have this in our lineage so well, yeah. there was just basic survival well because a lot yeah. of us i mean you know grew up with parents that were in war or after war mm -hmm. so you know with with just like very little means and and rough times like we mm -hmm. think it's rough now but you know i, I mean yeah, it's, I mean, I remember my father talking about, you know, I mean, the typical things like, oh, you don't want to eat this banana. I only had uh, nettle soup, you know, stinging nettle right. soup um, and, and things like that. So it's. Um, but why do you think that that leads to perfectionism rather than just, oh, I need to work so hard? Because I feel like those are different energies. Um, okay, that's a good question. Let me, let me think about this for a second. Um well, I think it's about expectations. And I mean, it's not only the working hard. I just have a few exact examples for that kind of, you know. Well, like, usually perfectionists do overwork. That's true. Yeah. And it's also just not allowing to um, to enjoy, the, to realize that work does not need to be hard, right? So, mm -hmm. I mean, you and I probably without looking at each other could agree that we love our work and maybe a full day, like at the end of the day, like, oh, great, I'm excited to just lay on a sofa, but mm -hmm. it actually fills us up, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, you're like, yes, no, but I know I it I would never have a business that, did, like I refuse to, what, create a business myself that tortures me. That doesn't even make exactly. sense. Exactly, exactly. But look how many people are still working in jobs that they really, really dislike. And really, mm -hmm. because it's, they, I mean, they, they think, well, it's because they don't quite know what the next thing is. But there is likely also underlying still the programming of, 
uh, work is hard, right? Like working supposed to be like this. So yeah. Yeah. So, so with the perfectionism, I mean, I feel like it's, it's, it's a lot about, well, I, when I thought about, you know, this whole topic and conversation, because I think it's already clear for after, I think two hours almost talking, I did not grow up as a perfectionist. I did not grow up in a perfect family. My parents are not perfectionists. They are not perfect. Um, and like, I actually was almost a little bit like the oddball in, in ways. And I actually don't have that. I think I said that to you before. I don't think I have perfectionism in me. And I just know what was different in my family, which was not always fun, right? It was not always good. It actually, like the fact that my parents were a little bit different or did like a little bit different things, maybe didn't have the fancy car, but like a car that was sprayed on with like flowers because my mom was just like giving us the spray bottles and we went like crazy on the, I mean, you know, just like things like that where we maybe got like, you know, weird looks from other people. And again, that didn't, didn't necessarily feel good. And sometimes, so I think I said this before, I feel like some people, and that can be parents, right? And then it's translated into the children, think that you have to act in a certain way, there's a certain etiquette in order to fit in, you know, to fit into society. And that helps people to feel a sense of community or belonging. And, you know, and for some, it's religious communities like church, right? That's mm-hmm. a big thing, especially here in America and the Christian mm-hmm. church and I, I, all of that. And, um, and that is just, uh, you know, so it's, it's this program thing of like you, you know, eat up the, like, eat your plate up. I mean, you know, eat the food on your plate. And I mean, just, just the things that, um, that some, I mean, I don't want to make it all about the poor parents, but you know, in the end of the day, our parents learned it from society too. No. And it's, and this this is just the way it goes. Most everything is programmed. um, And obviously no one does that with intention, but I think it's, I think it's really just a, a way to trying to fit in, whether that's conscious or unconscious. um, And yeah, I, I think and I this- also just think it's like an over focus on trying to make everything okay and make it safe all the time, safe and being in control and not being judged, um, you know, right, which keeps you safe emotionally, you exactly. know, exactly. There has to be if you want big things in the world, there has to be a certain level of just like, I don't care, I'm doing what I want in order to go after it. Yeah, and- it's you're breaking the mold of what most people do. Yeah, breaking the molds. Exactly. Stepping out, right? Not being in the box and things like that can feel scary, can feel scary. People are judging it. I mean, you know, when I wrote down a few things of how I felt not perfect uh, when I was young, Mm -hmm. I was too skinny. I mean, this was also what I've well, what I felt like I was too skinny, I was too tall, I had freckles all over my everything body and face. Um, I, you know, a voice like, dee, 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 and, uh, <laughs> and all kinds of I mean, I, oh, and I had a big uh, horse riding accident. So I had a huge scar. And, I mean, it's still here. I have a scar in my face, right. And I mm-hmm. think that was also a little bit, I was 15, I think. 
And I remember that it was like, dang, you know, this is now forever going to be a big old scar in my face. It's not, never going to like, you know, I'm never going to have that perfect face. I, I think I even remember thinking I was like, okay, I like get that train left the station. And, you know, but what I wanted to say is that this the idea of I'm too skinny, I'm too tall, the freckles, there were literally also people saying that to me, not my parents. But I remember there was a bunch of people that thought I was um, anorexic because I was just so skinny, right? And then always said, oh, she probably goes to the bathroom after yeah. she eats and, and yeah. things like that. And then calling me leopard because I had all the freckles. And, um, you know, and it's, I mean, people are mean, right? <laughs> That's what I said earlier about the yin and the yang in the world. Right. I mean, there's Eva, right? They the say an angel. Yeah, clearly, the, especially like teenagers. <laughs> teenagers or children. <laughs> children are mean. I mean, and I probably was mean. I mean, I know I also was mean, like in some ways, not like a lot, but I know they were. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and they say the line dividing good and evil runs for every human's heart. And it's, it's a, it's a, you know, if we are unconscious, we're just doing whatever and either good or bad comes out. And, and if, you know, and if we're more conscious, we have a choice to choose loving, you know, and, and compassionate. But the point is that, um, so yeah, I had that inside of me, like anything that didn't fit in, right. And, and then there were also people basically confirming my, my, um, insecurities. So, you know, so that that's what what was kind of the idea of like how I feel. And then I had my own path that I did not turn out to be a perfectionist, maybe because I was also confronted with a mother who was completely the opposite and didn't, you know, and, and a father and all of that. But, um, you know, I think it's really just a matter of a, like a crazy program society and then also people's insecurities and people's insecurities beginning with the parents right and not in an inability to raise a child in their very own expression as a separate human yeah yeah and really unique expression and loving them who they are and not being afraid when especially in these specific years where children really go into self-expression where the parents are actually not afraid of that and I think this is what makes me wonder because you know again my parents just let me date whoever I wanted which I don't know if that was, if I could do that with my daughter, but you know, or, or let me wear whatever I wanted. I had purple hair. I had pink hair. I, you know, I did the whole thing and, um, I have anyways, you know, I, it's, it's just this, I did definitely have completely no limits on self-expression and I was always supported. So I think that helped me to not have that perfectionist thing inside of me but I completely understand how it comes in you know because it's scary I don't know but I can I can see how you know yeah exactly what you said like the idea that this fitting in creates a sense of safety and we are just so afraid of not feeling safe of like uncertainty so then what do you think about you know the question I received when someone said, how do you know if you're a perfectionist, which I thought that was interesting. Cause I'm like, do you feel tortured making decisions to you? Cause I was trying to think, I'm like, Oh, if you can't tell yourself, what how do you know? No, you would know. And I'm like thinking about things over and over again, not getting things out the door relatively quickly, over analyzing yourself, over analyzing other people. 
You know, it's just to me feels like a lot of just over focus and analysis. I think a lot of, I mean, judgment. And I think if, if we realize that we are very judgmental with other people, um, first of all, we are probably super extremely judgmental with ourselves, mm-hmm. whether we realize it or not. But it's, yeah, I mean, it, like if we, you know, just if we're not able to see goodness in the world and beauty in the world, uh, beyond a lot of that, which is not beautiful and in good, you know, I think that I think these women are asking to more with themselves, because another question I received was, how do you get past the like, I can't do this yet? I can't birth this into the world yet, because it's not perfect. It's like that kind of energy. Like, yeah, how yeah. Do you know what you know, that you're actually functioning like that. And then how do you move past? Hmm. I mean, I, I know that there's even books written about it because a lot of people have that, you know, the block of, uh, I think writers, you know, specifically of, with artists a lot. Too. Exactly. Yeah. And I think there is like, I, I think I saw I also see it with women in business. It happens to everyone as far as I can tell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's really this idea of not being afraid to make a mistake, right? But that's what I said. What I say to my daughter, it's not, if we realize it is, like nobody is going to punish us. I mean, we think maybe, oh, I'm not getting that job that I'm applying for, right? But then the universe has something, a better plan in store, right? Oh, I'm not, if I'm not showing up perfect to this date and not showing my best side to this person, I'm not going to get into this relationship. Thank God you're not getting into this if this person is only accepting you if you have perfect makeup or whatever, or like tell the perfect story, right? It's, 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 it's about, not being afraid to make mistakes because it's a complete illusion to think that mistakes are bad. I just don't even, and I don't really even think about mistakes or failure. I'm just like, you move through the world, you do things, you didn't like the outcome of that thing. You're like, okay, I don't like that. I'm going to go over here. Like, I don't think about like, Mm -hmm. I literally do not think about the word failure as real. I'm like, me failing at life is not an option. Like, period. And it's not that I'm going to like, push through. It's just that like, it's a level, like, first of all, you gain action, you gain confidence through taking action. You take action enough times, you learn a lot, right? And things are actually do start working over and over. But the people that I see most afraid and imperfectionism actually haven't even done anything yet. Yeah. And that's what I mean. I'm like, that's part of the problem is you aren't even living frozen, frozen. And it's it's just, it's the fear of, and and this is the, because that is, you know, it's completely blocked and it's, it's, and if we don't move, and this is what the old, the earliest texts of Chinese medicine say, where there is stagnation, there is pain, right? Where where there's a block. It's painful. Like to me, not expressing myself is painful. Therefore, it's not an option. It's it's against our nature. Everything is in constant motion. Everything, even like, you know, this whole idea that nothing is actually completely solid, right? Everything Mm -hmm. is in constant. The, the, The sun is moving day and night are certainly happening it's if we are going against that natural like the seasons are happening even if we live in LA right it's all happening Mm -hmm. things are moving if we're going against that and trying to stop in or staying stop in a process we are it's we're not in in a natural flow so I would say you know, the medicine is go out to nature and observe, uh, go to the ocean, right? Go to something that actually is 
is an is an embodiment of movement and yeah i mean i hear you like i i can feel it even if i think about like not i mean i exactly i don't have that you know inside of even when i work on my website and updating it i'm just going to put it live and i know i'm i can still change, change the it later i'm always like, changing oh, exactly yeah. so it's it's about trusting in that the fact that things are in constant mo- motion and movement and also to I think it's also this giving our authority away to something outside of us, right? It's like, again, we're, we're thinking like, who, like, are we afraid that we're going to be judged by a client or a student? People are just the, we are drawing in the people we are meant to work with, right? We need to understand that too, especially if many here that are on the healing power, like on the spiritual wellness industry, listening to that we are drawing in the people we're meant to work with and we need to focus on that's what's there versus that what's not there and and right. grow and grow that so to you know we cannot i mean we need to we need to really come into empowerment whatever we need to do for that right like seek out people that that seem to us in their in their power, in their healthy power, and then just learn, right? And, 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 um, and be in that energy because it is a reprogramming after all. Nobody wants to be stuck in that. It's a complete no, it's unconscious horrible. programming. And, um, and it's to understand and be compassionate. This is old. This is not you. It's certainly not who you are. It is just an aspect of it, an old voice that at some point in your life helped you maybe to be safe, Mm -hmm. but you don't need that anymore. This is the little girl that thinks she's or boy who still thinks uh, she or he needs it, but it's not needed anymore. It's actually not serving you any longer. Right. And then. And the way I look at it is if it's painful, it doesn't belong to you. If it's nothing, painful, it doesn't belong to you. Yeah. Nothing yeah. that is true to you is painful. Well, if it makes you suffering, because that's what the, I mean by painful. Right. I like, I know we have lived human experiences, but I'm saying like, you know what I mean? The way we're talking to ourselves, the way we're moving through the world, like if that feels like suffering, it's you're not being true to yourself somewhere. Exactly. Because pain is inevitable, but suffering is not. And it's like, you know, pain, we, we walk through life, we were getting bruised, but if we are hurting ourselves, that, and this is what perfectionism does, because it's not about not having your shit together. Yeah. It's, it's about it's self punishment. And again, this is where, where you see it's the little child. And, um, and it's really like always, compassion with compassion and know it's a process you're not going to get out of your perfectionism overnight um unless you know some miracle happens and that's okay but it will happen eventually because it's not who you are but i and i think it happens a lot by just going out in the world and doing yeah like it, you can't meditate your way out of perfectionism you no. have to actually go yes meditate do i do tons of healing but i'm saying you know what i mean you have to go like show yourself that it's actually safe to just be yourself. You can't like 
learn that in your room without practicing it in the world. Well, and trusting that wherever it feels like it's not okay to be yourself. Not it's your home. <laughs> exactly. It's not where you supposed to be. These are not your people. And only because these people have also still all this insecurity within them. And this is not where this new world order where we want to be. We want to be all doing what we love and being contributing to to make this world a more sustainable healthy place and and you know and it's it's kind of allowing ourselves to be guided by these you know what I said earlier about relationship it's mm -hmm. literally a blessing in disguise if a relationship doesn't work out if people get ghosted you know my one of my teachers says rejection is direction you know mm -hmm. rejection if if you work on this portfolio and then you send it out and it's not like that is a direction it's not a rejection it's a direction for you to right there's something better well, look at all these people who go to write books and they went to all these publishers so many love this story everyone's saying no 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 now no they self-publish they become famous you gotta and this is where sometimes i'm like you gotta toughen up yeah that's you know why you said I mean? tough enough. Yeah. like yeah. who the hell cares that like if you love something and yeah. you are so sure why do you care what these yes. random people said are these random are these the people you're gonna be thinking about on your deathbed like right. oh I can't believe these people judge me you know what I mean it's like just keeping like your heart has to be so alive to have success in this world, like success on your terms, right? Yeah. Where all these people telling you no is not going to like dampen your spirit. And I do think you have to have a level of resilience for that. Absolutely. Like all over when people tell you no, or when someone doesn't like you, who cares? Yeah. And if you're just being likable, then also nobody loves you. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I'd rather uh, be loved than just generally liked, you know, because we don't tend to elicit that strong response out of people when we're just like going along and they got along. Da, 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 da. No, there is. Oh, God, I just recently heard such good quotes that I can't really put together both either of them. But it's really I mean, one was something like there will be people out there who will love you. And there will be people out there who will. I mean, there was always going to be someone who is not going to like what you do. And it's not like that's not what we focus on. You can send those people love and then move on. But don't allow yourself to, you know, this idea of our own energy. Your energy is your life force. It's your gift. And, you know, to realize whenever you give your energy away, shift. Whenever you realize that someone else is drawing out your energy, that you are giving your energy away, not in a good way, mm -hmm. then shift and stop right now what you're doing and and shift to the next thing, right? And it, it's, yeah, I mean, you and I, it, it's just, obviously, when you are on the other side, it's so clear that it's people giving away your power, right? And it's it was giving stressful. I went through, especially because, you know, I did build success quickly. And that triggered a lot of people who were previously in my life who aren't now. And I used to get very anxious by relationships falling apart. But yes. was I willing to not have the life I desire over some random person who is in my life conditionally on based on my financial success? Hell no. Okay. And that's you know what I mean, like, absolutely not. And that is really good to to also remember, because it's not about standing over everything. It's not about that. It's about acknowledging that 
again, everybody who's listening is sensitive, right? And the more we awaken, we are becoming more sensitive because that's our natural state. If we're sensitive, if we are open, like if our heart is open and our heart opens and closes, right? A hundred times throughout the day, mm-hmm. we are getting hurt by yeah. rejection it's it's yucky exactly it. yeah. it's normal that you are that it doesn't feel good if someone says oh i don't like what you say right this is what the whole social media works with that it is nice to receive a like right it's normal it's normal to also to acknowledge that it's okay to feel shy to feel but then to still do it and to know it's yeah exactly it's not to like pretend you have a harder shell than you have but while acknowledging like oh that hurt oh that hurt that my you know friendships break apart and it's painful it's super painful it's super sad and you know and eventually we open our heart and we move on and we grow and also new people come in new incredible people for everything that is falling apart, it's only falling. It's like you asked for something. The universe has to rearrange your life for there to be room for you to receive what you desire. And when I talk about like mud in the cup, when there's all this mud in your cup and you're asking for these big, crazy things, mm. you got to clear out the mud to have space to receive. But we don't always get to choose what's mud and what's not. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, but we want to have control over it. Yeah. And like, I, and I get it. That's been the most painful part for me is people like coming and going. Yeah. But my desire for my life and what I see for myself and what I want everywhere, love, business, friendships, my relationship with myself everywhere is so big and I refuse to not have it. So Mm -hmm. if people want to like not, if that doesn't work for them at this point now, I would say that I kind of don't care. Yeah, you need to embrace who you are and don't care is because you have already lived through it's too painful to exactly. care for people at a level that they don't actually care for you. Well, and really, if you understand the idea, in a, I mean, if, if one understands the energetics behind it is because it's actually not. It's, it's the, it's, it's the hook from the energy of the other person that doesn't like. And, you know, there is like, there's a power play. Like if, if we, I mean, this is, I see these things visually and, yeah. you know, because that's how they work, but we are giving our power away mm-hmm. by, by, with our attention, with our awareness. And, you know, and if we care, about what somebody doesn't like, which is always because of them and never because of you, right? We I all know that. People, I'm like, um, you know, women who are worried in business. I'm like, somebody who's ahead of you is never judging you for yeah. the most part. Like they it's, don't care. It's <laughs> very, know? very unfortunate. I mean, it's just really true. Yeah. Th- you can see where judgment comes from and where judgment doesn't come from. And we don't even need to go more into this because right. it's just clear to see. And, um, and it is a low vibration, you know, and, and the whole thing about these energetics, what I'm trying to say is if someone doesn't like what you do, it's also not because what the energy wants is don't like them back. Don't go mm-hmm. for it. It's just like, okay, that's not my, that's not my thing. I'm going to move on. I'm going to do my thing. And I'm sending this person, you know, whatever they need, um, you know, but this is, this is not mine. So it's not because this is what we're seeing right now on a, you know, global thing. It's, we, we don't want to cause more separation, right? No, separation is, separation is because, um, it's, 
you know, it's the it's the root cause of suffering, and it is because of you know. Anyways, it's it's so many things, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you know embracing your own self, and it's really liberating to understand that um, you know angels come in strange disguises. Mm-hmm. Another mentor of mine yeah. say, and if we can start seeing everybody as a teacher, everybody is an angel, but to be really mindful of how you are giving away your own energy and having that boundaries and say, wait, no, this is not mine. And um, may this person, you know, be, you know, be well, you know, loving kindness prayer, you know, may this person be well in body and mind, like do, going through the loving kindness prayer and then, and then going about your own business. And also be mindful of the evidence you're looking for. Like, You know, those days where you feel so much better when you choose to focus on what you have accomplished, when you choose to focus on how far you really have come in life, when you choose to focus on all the people who do love what you have to say, who are really inspired versus the days when you're like, I didn't do this yet. Oh my God, I ate a pint of ice cream. Oh my God, I did this. Oh my God, the house is messy. Oh my, like you, those, the minds, those two mindsets, we have a choice. You know, and we're all, we're human. You're going to, we're going to have days. But I just like, when I think about my own kind of just mental well being and where I, and I'm not trying to send this stay positive message all the time. (laughs) No, that is not my vibe. I'm just saying, like, when you look for evidence in your life of how well you're doing, why don't we look at like productive evidence? (laughs) You know, because your brain is always looking for reflections back of how everything's going. So I'm like, what's going well? Like, yeah. let's keep doing more of that. And the, you get emotional support, obviously, but just in the way we treat ourselves, you yeah. know? Yeah, absolutely. And then someone asked too, do, does breath work and the other modalities that you practice help with perfectionism? And if so, how? <laughs> well, so all of the, all of the modalities that I practice uh, with my, you know, myself and then guide others through um, or uh, uh, teach others is uh, they're all doing the same. And this is very, you know, I mean, my work is spiritual in the, in the sense it they all help for you to return home, right? Return home to your true self to when we, so breath work and Reiki, uh, when we do the practices, which yeah. actually, you know, I mean, that's this breath work that is the known breath work the, that's very powerful. And I, I, I guide people through all kinds of breath work, mm-hmm. any kind of breath work. The funny thing is that breath work is also just a meditation, but because it is very active, it's easier for people than the Zen Zazen sitting in meditation and counting the breath because that, you know, brings you more, it, it's, it's actually more challenging. So that's why people love breath work so much because it, it helps to quiet the mind. And then it also really brings um, an awareness of our own energy. And you heard me talking about energy for like again and again, because it is all energy, right? I'm just throwing down these cliches. Everything is and has energy. And that's how I see the world. And it really makes sense. Energetics, right? It's all about dynamics and energetics, like how we engage, how money moves and and our, you know, the work we put out, exchange, it's all energetics. So Breath work really makes us aware of how we are energetic beings and of your own energy. But what it also does in the active state, 
that is, you know, breathing strongly, um, then in the it it helps the active breath, uh, which also you know can show like certain things in the body or blocks on, on the physical, sometimes in the emotional. And then you know how I practice it, I sometimes help people guide them then through some release um, and opening. Um, but that's just me doing things. It's much more important what the person experiences, and what the person experiences is also at some point, at least to some degree. Uh, quietness, right? Quietness, inner silence. And inner silence is where all the secrets of this universe lie. It's all the secrets. Because I feel actually one sec. So there's the very active breath work, which sometimes for me is, to be honest, is kind of overwhelming. And I prefer the more yin styles. I know. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of people have that. This breath work brings up a lot of resistance. A lot of resistance and resistance can come in all kinds of forms. Um, what are your views on the different styles? Because I've just noticed, like, it just kind of wears me. I'll do it. I like how I feel after. But I'll, yeah, I'm just, I'm curious. Well, again, I said. But I've enjoyed the yin styles more. I'll, I'm more regular. When well, I. I just mean they're not quite as active. Well, I mean, you're tapping exactly into this. And I've, I practice now all of these modalities for about, a, well, eight years, eight, something about, and then, you know, Reiki, uh, acupuncture a little bit you know, longer, like, like, and I work with clients for about, like, overall a decade now. Um, it's, it's really the breath work. I think again, people have a strong sense of energy. And because we're living in a young society and people mm-hmm. love to feel a lot, it's a, it's a very, very powerful and people have oftentimes an emotional release. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have an emotional release when you sit in Zazen. You mm-hmm. might feel angry or frustrated, but you don't necessarily have that release, especially mm-hmm. not at the beginning, right? And it's not about becoming a perfect meditator. None of meditation is about, like, we're not getting anywhere. It's actually, just, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not about going to a diff, like to an aim or a, a target. Mm-hmm. That's why I said at the beginning, bringing our perfection. I see people literally bringing their perfectionism into spiritual practice mm-hmm. And yeah. it's about like achieving something, right? We're not achieving something. Um, and that's why sometimes people then think with breathwork, oh, that was a great session. And oh, that session wasn't so great because like, why I are you grading your breath I didn't work? I didn't cry yeah. or I didn't uh feel like my hands on fire or you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um so I believe, and I say this to my students a little bit provocatively, I say, I don't actually think that one is, you know, because I, again, I don't think that we heal another person, but we're supporting others on their healing journey. So it's not even necessarily what happens in one session. It's about the devotion and about our inner connection to ourselves. And that's what I was trying to say. Any of these modalities are helping people Maybe not necessarily in one session, though people who do breathwork for the first time think that their whole universe um, elevated into a new, in a new dimension, right? Uh, again, because of the sense of, 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 of energy in the body that, that we usually don't necessarily connect to in this way. Um, but 
and and with Reiki more subtle. But I find that it is actually more the subtle way. And that's why I'm so grateful for my Zen practice. And, you know, after Zen, I dove into Kundalini for many, many years. And Kundalini is a lot more young. I mean, literally. I wonder if this is something with me because I also don't like Kundalini. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I feel like I don't need more active energy. I'm like, can I just, I like things that like settle I understand the high you feel after, but to me at this stage, I value more what I will practice daily that just really brings me home to myself more than I'm looking for some out-of-body spiritual experience. Exactly. 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 It's absolutely, I 100% agree. (laughs) My inner peace comes from, do I actually feel peace within? Because that's been a, uh, let's say I've lived most most of my adult life not. I value that more. Yeah, I have all these perspectives on the universe and all of that. But I want to, at the end of the day, I want to feel as good as possible every day, which comes from a place of inner peace. It comes. And, you know, the thing is that breathwork is amazing. And again, breathwork pranayana comes in so many different forms. And I think like food, right, Like, like, like the food we eat, nourishment, it's all about the balance. We don't need every day the same thing, though there is, you know, something too when people start a practice, how if we do something for like a devote ourselves to a practice for mm-hmm. 40 days, it has, yeah. it's, it's yeah. very tr- transformative. And maybe that's what I want to say. It's not even necessarily about the modality. It's about your devotion to it. And, so in my sessions, when I do breastwork, people love it usually uh, because they, you know, you know it. If you have a cry, you feel usually better. Yeah. It's again after the young, right? So it's an emotional release and emotional release or I let people sometimes scream or love. It moves energy and that feels good. And, and with you're re- right. I'm also saying that after a lot of trauma therapy, anger release, like I guess I've also done a lot of these more intense explorations. Yeah. So maybe, and I'm curious your reflection, like, why don't I like those things as much? But I have gone very deep in my healing. Yeah. But I don't know why I tend to not be drawn in those directions. But I know a lot of people love it. Like the really active breathing, the kundalini, the And I just, that's not where the medicine is for me. I think it's because, um, you know, intensity helps people to distract and, uh, and it's not necessarily distract, but it helps if it's more intense, it's easier to let go. And again, for me having a, a, like, 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 you know, and because there's something about diligence um, that comes with a more yin practice or with something that's like less fancy um, that has so much, um, you know, there's so much wisdom in it of getting to, to, to really know yourself and, and tapping into challenges. I don't know. And it's, I mean, I do know, but it's a little bit hard for me to put into words because I would feel I, I don't want to put things into categories. Because well, nothing's I, good or bad. And sometimes there's just different things for different seasons of life. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that people um, love and the things I'm saying, I'm I'm the minority. Most people are obsessed with Kundalini and love super active breathing. And I love breath work. I just like a little more gentle style. That's all. 
Yeah. And it's, you know, I think breathwork is also people who, you know, drink or like, or still, you know, do certain things. It's also really, really popular in the uh, recovery community because people mm -hmm. are like, wow, this is how I can feel without any substances. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, there is something about, um, just feeling, feeling open. And, uh, I think you and I, you know, and maybe this brings us back to the question and the answer. Maybe it can help with perfectionism because first of all, because the breath at the beginning, it's not easy, right? It's kind no, of difficult to breathe. So it, it taps to a lot of people into control, into their ways of controlling. And the same with Kundalini. If you hold your arms up for 11 minutes, Uh, and and breathe in a certain way, it brings up the first thing is usually irritability and anger, mm -hmm. you know, and that covers oftentimes holds like the covers like sadness and fear and all of that. So once that is kind of opened, sadness comes out, a fear comes out. And that's why it's actually so healing and beautiful. And But, I've done it. I'm like, okay, push through the resistance, keep going, because you know, you're not going to like in the beginning. And I still don't get the same feeling from it that some of my friends do who love it. Yeah, but that's also that's also comparison, right? And we yeah. do that. This is very normal. So I, so for example, I, you know, I do my sessions and then I do these community sessions because that, what you said at the very beginning, there is a need and community is one of the biggest medicines like mother nature, right? Community, especially we realize that all in 2020, community is everything. So I now offer twice a week, like, like a community practice for Reiki on Mondays, and then Thursdays for breathwork. And I've done that last year. And I've done, you know, breathwork sessions online before COVID, but I've done them for COVID, like for a while, once a week, and a lot of people tuned in. And um, I go about it. Uh, sometimes they've been 75 minutes. And then I always do a little thing at the beginning, a little grounding meditation, some visualizations, and then I help to move people's emotions a bit. For this time around that I'm starting next week, I actually consciously because I believe more and more in less is more. And um, you know, and I will actually do very little guidance. I mean, you know, I will hold the space and that is a lot, but I will actually try to do very little processing, but just, and have, have shorter sessions because breathwork doesn't always need to be this intense experience. Intense. Exactly. So I think for you, if you ever want to try again, I would say, try five minutes of the active breath and then just relax for another few minutes and see how that feels without the whole thing because that in this way breathwork is an amazing way to move energy in the body and oh I to, love yeah yeah so I think it's also this idea that there is it always needs to go into the trauma and and it is trauma you know no I mean if If spirit wants something to come up that's ready to come up or being brought to the surface, it will do that. But it's it's really a very divine uh, agenda that, again, I think as a healing practitioner, we're just supporting other people through that process, but they are going through this themselves. And I think, as you said, there's a time and season for everything. I think it's about we will find our very own thing, right? With our spiritual practice, we will, I mean, for me, it was, Zen, then Kundalini, 
And and now it's a mix. And then Taoism with the Qigong from my medicine studies. It's and now I find myself teaching something that has all of these aspects that I've already yeah. like together. And you know, I feel like this is getting so much. <laughs> okay. I'm just looking down and make sure I ask. But keep saying what you're saying. Yeah. So so the point is that um we always with these things need to follow our curiosities, right? And like trying things out seeing how they feel, and then also challenging ourselves in a gentle way to um, to just try, uh, I mean, to just see how less feels and, you know, and more yeah, feels. yeah, more, exactly. That's, I have a former client, she practices conscious connected breathing, and I've done some of her breath work, and that I can maintain more. It's more like circular, and you focus on expanding your lungs, mm-hmm. and you breathe through your mouth. That I was like, okay, I can do this every day. This yeah. Is good. Because I do need to breathe. We all need to breathe. All need to I breathe. Was doing it, I was like, well, girl, you are not breathing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I think, oh, the last question is how do you go about or how do you recommend going about redirecting fear? Because obviously, the first thing that comes mm. up, when we're learning to break our patterns, when we're learning to be bolder, when we're learning to put new things out in the world is fear. Mm-hmm. So what is your recommendation there? I don't like do it anyway. <laughs> but you're, you know, from your perspective, also. Yeah, I would say identifying the fear, you know, it's mm-hmm. always the first step. And then realizing that fear has two, two and it two sides to it. Fear is part of our innate, like humanness, we are, you know, the 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 our system has a sense of the fight and flight and fear Mm. um, in order to survive. So it's actually a survival instinct. And so it actually, why fear is triggered can actually be very natural. But then everything that keeps us frozen and paralyzed and in this, you know, exactly away from doing certain things is unhealthy. And however, it is here because of trauma. So it's, it's always, I will always go into compassion, right? When I talk about these yeah. things, that's what I've been seeing. And, you know, just in, in trauma uh, and just caveman brain. Well, caveman brain is that what actually, however, is the fear that's serving us. And mm-hmm. it's the fear that we're like, okay, you know, and that's also, so breath is, so for example, the breath work to just go back to this for a second, why this breath work or any breath work is amazing because when we get a, it, because it helps us feel energy in the body. The more we understand the flow of energy in the body that, you know, our energy and the more we are deeper connecting, uh, and the more we build our relationship with our intuition. And our intuition is also that part that helps us to identify what is actually here that is um, like keeping me safe and what is here that is not healthy. And again, this fear oftentimes is, um, comes from an old pattern. So identifying it. So actually using the brain, right. And being like, okay, what about this is actually rational? Like, how is this actually really like, what am I afraid of? Right. What I said earlier about my experience running through the subway. Mm-hmm. And when I realized, wait, I'm afraid that my boss is yelling at me, that I'm actually getting punished by my boss, though he may actually yell at me, but not even my parents would, you know, like, and then all of a sudden it's like, that's not his, like, 
like that's not right <laughs> you know it's like what like, are we this serving me is this do i need to respond to this yeah and and also to realize that what we usually are afraid of and this is very psychology you know is our fear of death so most of, of the day isn't that all doesn't everything go to death if everything you exploring it everything is death everything is the fear of death even the way we react and in relationship is because under like somewhere inside is like the fear of death so is that actually rational and uh you know so it's it's fear is uh, so i want to tell a story maybe that could be the end i don't know but sure. with covid um in so I live in LA and um I think obviously like everybody I was really you know set into my tracks or like you know with with the announcement of the lockdown and nobody really knew what was going on and then I stopped seeing clients for a little while and then I um I think in in April I started taking my daughter and driving up with her to Ventura to the ocean and oh, so nice and the beaches were uh, closed in LA, I think, for a while. So they were open there. And there was one specific beach we always like to go to. It's very, it's huge, like huge. And there were some people and they weren't wearing masks because they were at the ocean and there was nobody around them. They were far apart from each other. So I was, I, I arrived with my daughter. We went to the ocean. We went down these stairs and the body, the ocean I love the ocean. Took, took away my body of fear. Like immediately yeah. when we arrived, my body of fear was completely dissolving and it never came back. That's why I have not been afraid of COVID ever since. And I'm not, I'm very cautious moving through this. I'm seeing obviously clients. I've been doing very little trainings, even in person over this last year. I, I'm very cautious. I, you know, wearing my mask and washing my hands, you know, like you're not living internally. And in but I did not ever feel fear after that time I went to the ocean. So I'm telling this because, you know, we can identify our fears, we can analyze everything. But there's also just nature and to not forget that we went because what does nature do? It brings us into the present moment, mm -hmm. right? It maybe automatically makes us breathe deeply. It, it, it like brings us back into what's really real, right? And what's really real is that we're all going to die. And, 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 the, and the fact is that we're all going to die. And if we realize that, then we should probably not wait to say, I love you to the people we love, to not go about, to not, not go about the things that we are passionate and curious about. You know, yeah. it's, it's, and it's not about being unmindful about this but to actually you know really be come into perspective a lot of people have that when they have diagnosis of cancer or the family member has cancer all of a sudden they realize their priorities and let go of that toxic relationship let go of that toxic job because all of a sudden something happens that you know whatever was there before that created the codependencies and attachments all of a sudden falls away because we realize our impermanence and we realize that you know there's something here that we easily get distracted by but it's not the one truth well and sometimes i think we get distracted even by our own self-help i'm like okay you know how we can get kind of addicted to it yeah, it's, and it's really, I do a lot of personal work. And I think if we want growth, we have to, but also like sometimes we stop living. 
Well, it's what we said about the seeds, right? It's yeah. about planting the seed, watering the seed, but then allowing also for the sun and the seasons and the moon and the cycles to to just allow to do the the work, right? That we mm -hmm. that it's not all about doing and doing and doing. There needs to be an active and a resting phase. Mm -hmm. And if and if we keep doing and doing, even with certain self-improvement or work. And in the end of the day, it's literally not improvement. It's like a remembering, but of course the different things that we can do help, but we also need to stop and let go it for a little while. Like this idea of being bad. Like if we want to have, if we work on updating our diet and all of that, then, you know, have a healthy diet. But if we realize all I'm thinking of is this coffee that I'm not, that I'm not denied, that I'm denying myself of, or you know then do something else to 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 celebrate right to celebrate yourself like as you said about looking at i mean we need to celebrate ourselves we need to we need to put rather than to um what is the word i'm trying to find rather than to limiting ourselves we need to we need to create ceremonies with our or rituals something to make certain things in our life more sacred and um you know, it's because, and that doesn't mean we have, we need to have a lot of money or big means, right? We can make things sacred. And that is, that is showing our own, I mean, I want to say the word divinity, and I know it's a big word, but if we do that, we also draw this energy more in, right? And you always say mm -hmm. that. I love how you always say you queens, you know, like the, the idea of divinity really is this idea that if we begin to treat ourselves well, you know, also with the little, the little things like buying a flower here and there or, or creating a little out, you know, or whatever it's, it's, it doesn't need to be a lot. And, um, well, it's okay to acknowledge yeah. that we are sacred. We are all of us, you know, and I think we don't celebrate that within ourselves, but when yeah. you start to, you're like, this feels a lot better. <laughs> it, feels, it feels better. And then we also learn how to celebrate other women, you know, mm -hmm. as, and in that, because then we don't feel, we feel much less in competition. And that is a whole nother conversation, whole probably, probably for a second. Uh, <laughs> Our next episode. But I also think when you celebrate it within yourself, it's so much easier to see with other people. Exactly. Too. Exactly. Exactly. Out of comparison, but just like, cause you feel good. You look at them. You're like, you're so amazing. You, you see other people differently too. It's not just like, oh, her hair looks good and she's fit. It's like, you can see their soul. Yeah. You honor them for their cute, for their courage, you know, for their, for, for their weaknesses, for being okay, showing every part of them. And, yeah. you know, because we are all, we, nobody is perfect and that is perfect, you know. Well, I've loved this so much. How can, so what are you offering now? How can everyone get in touch with you? You're What's so the best sweet. way to work with you? <laughs> For the ones still following this conversation. <laughs> God bless you. God is, <laughs> God is bless you. Um, and yeah, so I am, again, those community offerings, I'm very excited about, um, twice, uh, so. So it's, it's Mondays I'm doing for everybody who's Reiki attuned. I'm doing a practice, Reiki practice. And by the way, people don't know that. Oh, not a lot of people don't. Reiki is not only working on another person with your hands. It's actually first and foremost self-practice. And it is 
all parts of Reiki are meditation. And there is actually a whole world of breathwork, Kokyoho. Is that in Japanese? Kokyo. What is this? Kokyo, there's, there's breathing techniques for, okay. for Reiki. And it's also to, you know, because Reiki in the end of the day is all about meditation, but people don't really know that. Um, I, I teach it in a traditional Japanese way. Um, and I, I learned it in more of a Western way. And that's how I shared ch- it for a while. And I'm going more and more into the, into the traditional Japanese way, which to no surprise has, you know, Buddhism at the bottom of everything. But I'm not, like, nobody has to become a Buddhist. I'm, you know, obviously it will be cultural appropriation to say I'm a Buddhist because I'm not, but. The essence of that is in the beautiful system of Reiki, and that's where my heart lies. So Mondays, um, middays, I'm doing that Reiki practice guided, and it's really beautiful. Last week was the first time. Every Thursdays at four is 50 minutes of breathing, breath work. Mm-hmm. That breath work we talked about. And then I do my, I do my trainings, Reiki one to the masters. Um, I have some online trainings that I started doing with the pandemic. Um, that to my surprise, people really love because I was so resistant doing this through, you know, in the virtual realms, but it's, it works really nicely. And I, I kind of got a whole download how to do it. So it feels an integrity and alignment with the teachings. And then I do still a few in-person, um, trainings, very small groups for the obvious reasons. And then I do my, my one-on-one, um, private practice and I love you know I love that I I love I love working with people so that's what I do and I want to get a few retreats on the schedule for this year but I'm also you know going with the flow and see how it unfolds I wanted to do some in Europe um, but it might just be the east coast I definitely want to do something on the east coast this year so I'll be there if you're in New York you're so sweet (laughs) you're so sweet (laughs) And yeah, and I, you know, I love that again, like I'll be sharing this, of course, and I'm very excited for um, the ones who have not known about your amazing work to to get familiar with that, because I love how you help um, help women specifically help people in this way. It's really needed and um, you're amazing and I can't wait to share it too. Thank you, Laura. I'm sure. Um, hopefully you'll come back. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. There's always more to talk about. And I appreciate your time so much. Everyone obviously get in touch with Laura. She is such a beautiful, powerful gift. And especially for those of you women who are wanting to, it's like the softening that brings the relaxation and the ease. And you have such a gift for that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the episode, I would love it if you'd leave a five-star rating and written review for the show. And if you can please share this podcast so that I can help more women, that would mean the world to me. Make sure you tag me on Instagram so I can say thank you and let's rise and change the world for all women together. If you want to work with me, head to my site, jocelynkellyreed.com or send me a DM and I'll be in touch. I'll see you on the next episode.